everybody. Hello and welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Latara. I'm Laura. And this is Passions Podcast. Woo! Episode 46? Six. It's 46. I think it's 46. I'm almost certain because the last episode I was listening to it and I said it was 46, but it was 45. So I'm pretty sure this is 46. I think it is. I feel like that's what the, whatever. It doesn't matter. I mean, it matters. It matters. The most important thing that you need to know, though, dear listener, is that today we're talking about episodes 86 through 90 of passions and it was this week was crazy i loved it it was excellent it was so good i was like this is the best thing i've ever seen there was so much shit that happened i laughed so much i teared up a little bit i laughed more than i've ever laughed in my entire life i (laughs) laughed these episodes i laughed so much so let's get right on into it let's do it so let's start with Sheridan? Shall That's we? exactly what I was going to suggest. Shall, shall we start with Sheridan, who's dressed up like a mugger? That's right. She's trying on her Halloween costume. A mugger. I, I mean, come choice, on. This choice. It's a choice. Choices. She made a strong choice. She made a strong, bad choice. And she's trying it on with Ethan and Gwen, which is also kind of weird, but whatever. And they also don't comment on it. Yeah. They're like, this is this is fine. This is smart. This makes sense. Yeah. Although this did not go the direction I thought it was going to go. Yes. So... I guess some props to Passions for that. Yeah. You know, they tricked me. Got me. Well, why have her dress up as a mugger when there's a mugger around town and then not And then not do anything with, with it? That. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I think it was to, like, trick us into thinking what we thought was going to happen and then say, like, we got you. Ha, ha, ha. You can't predict Passions. We're wild <laughs> and zany. You know? <laughs> anything, Unpredictable. Anything can happen to the town of Harmony. Anything can happen when two Ex- people share a cell, cuz. Except for the thing that you think is going to happen. Not, not, uh, yeah. Except for what you exactly think should happen. Yeah. So, so anyway, Sheridan's dressed up like a mugger at um, the Crane Mansion because she and Hank are going to go to the dance and she's supposed to be chaperoning this dance, right? Mm-hmm. Well, she's talking with Ethan and Gwen about the dance um and when they leave she goes into the mansion and promptly has a bloody flashback to the murder she she may or may not have committed we haven't seen this in a while yeah they're bringing it back because it's been a minute so she leaves ethan's room goes downstairs and runs into julian immediately and has one of those flashbacks and julian ever the sensitive empath tells her to get the fuck over it oh my gosh yeah he's like you look like you've seen a ghost are you and then he's like she's like you know full well what happened in this room blah 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 and he's like are you still harping on that she's like oh you mean the, the part where i almost murdered or the part where i did murder someone maybe kind of murdered somebody that thing? You know? yeah like, i'm so you, upset about it you need to get over it and sheridan yells at him like i can't live like this anymore and i won't rest until i find out what happened that night the truth about that night and Julian, like, warns her. He's like, if you stir things up, you will regret it. Mm. Oh, and boy. he says, you nearly wrecked this family once, and I will not allow you to do it again. And she just goes, damn you, Julian. Damn all of you. <laughs> yeah, I felt bad for Sheridan. She, she, yeah, that was fucking awful. And when she says, damn all of you, does she mean, like, damn all of all of you as a being like every atom of you or does she mean like damn all of the cranes like what is damn I all thought, the people who covered it up like i thought of it more as like damn all the cranes except for the like the two she likes mm. or the one she likes ethan i don't yeah. even think she really likes ivy that much uh-huh. um yeah i think she was talking about all of them including julian alistair any other cranes we may or may not know of yet mm. except for ethan she loves yeah him. well they're in love <laughs> <laughs> they're in deep deep love they're in deep deep lust and they can't act on it no Le cousin. <laughs> Le cousin <dangereux. laughs> um so then what happens well hank picks up sheridan because they're gonna go to the dance and 
he decides to show her what he used to do when he was a kid for Halloween because she's like, what did, what happens in Harmony on Halloween? Like, did you go to a dance as a kid? And he's like, no, let me show you what we were up to. And they basically like bust up some kids who are smashing pumpkins and TPing houses and stuff like that. And so there's like a water balloon fight going Girl, on in October. I was like, what the, I, that's exactly, that's exactly what I wrote. I wrote. On their way to the dance, Hank shows Sheridan how he used to celebrate Halloween with vandalism. And then they have a water balloon fight in October in Massachusetts. Yeah. Like, I grew up in Ohio, which is not as cold, I don't think, as Massachusetts. Or maybe it is. I don't know. The Midwest is fucking cold. But, like, a water balloon fight in October? In October, when we were going out for Halloween, it's like you put your costume over your puffy coat because it was 20 degrees outside and snowing. Yeah, it's snowing. It's cold. Why are there water? And where did this bucket of water balloons come from? That was so st- It was all so yeah, stupid. Because the kids weren't having a water balloon fight. Like, they were, like you said, vandalizing. I don't, it was weird. It, it was all very strange. But Flimsy. She, yeah, so Sheridan and Hank are having this, like, childish battle <laughs> i don't know yeah. water balloon fight hank runs off somewhere and then sheridan somehow acquires two cream pies there, there's this so I, I think we need to say two things one hank is wearing his dad's old police uniform as yeah. his police as his uh halloween costume and so yes yeah, so a and then b a random person walks by with two they're supposed to be cream pies, but they're plates of shaving cream yeah. with like giant piles of shaving cream on them. Walks through and she's like, oh, I'll pay you for those because she's like, oh, I'm going to get Hank back. So she gets the shaving cream, crouches down behind a, a garbage can so she can't be seen. And she's wearing all black because she's dressed as a mugger. So she's like invisible in the night and uh, waits until she sees some Hank walking by because she sees the police uniform. And then she jumps up, shoves a cream pie, shaving cream, really, in his face and says, ha, Hank, I got you now. Got you, Mr. Policeman. But obviously it was not Hank. It was fucking Louise. Also, Louise is like eight inches taller than Hank. He's taller than Hank. Yeah. Also, like, if you're going to shove something in someone's face, you can see whose face it is before you, like, you might still follow through and be like, oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, the action might have started. You might not be able to stop it. But, like, you know who it is. Yeah, she creams him in the face and she still doesn't even realize that it's Louise until he's like, Sheridan. And the way he screamed it. Like it made me jump. It sounded like an animal. I was like, oh my God, it doesn't even sound like Louise. <laughs> he was mad. He was, there was he so was, much anger. He was big mad. I was like, Ooh. which I would too. I would be too. And so he's pissed, but, she, and she tries to explain that she mistook him for Hank and was just trying to get in the spirit of Halloween. And he tells her just to leave. And then the mayor and Sam are like rounding the corner and talking about this mugger. And the, the mayor's like, it's a disgrace to have this mugger um, out terrorizing my town and you really need to be doing your job. And he's kind of given Sam a little bit of the business. Mm. And he comes up and sees Luis covered in that cream pie shit. And he's like, you're a disgrace for playing Halloween pranks while you should be on duty. And Sheridan starts to explain. This was annoying. This was, Sheridan yeah. starts to explain. And Louise tells her to back off. He's like, stay out of it, Sheridan. Mm-hmm. But he, she very easily could have just handled that situation in that moment and been like, I'm so sorry. I mistook him for him. Because Hank was standing there at that point. He showed up and was like, what's going on? Well, it... it the, uh, there, yes, I think Luis was wrong for telling because Sheridan offered to help and he told her to stay out of it. And then Sam tried to defend it, defend him. And then he basically told him to stay out of it. And then Hank showed up and he was like, stay out of it. And then he tried to explain himself. And then the mayor kept cutting him off. So this was something that was easily explainable. But for whatever reason, they just I don't know. Luis's pride got in the way. Well, also the the way Luis explained it. He was like, it was just a misunderstanding and everything's under control now. That's not, you didn't tell me anything. Yeah, that's not You didn't tell me what happened. 
I don't know why you're, I still don't know why you're covered in cream Mm -hmm. officer, you know? So the, the, the mayor's a real dick to him though. The mayor sucks. You can tell that the mayor is a sycophant to the rich and likes to pick on anybody else basically. Yeah. And he doesn't recognize Sheridan, which is important. Right. Which, because I think had he recognized Sheridan at this moment, it would have been different. Things would have gone differently. I think so too, because he would like to look competent and in control and nice in front of one of his biggest, probably political supporters. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't think it would have gone down the way it did. No. So the mayor is mad. And when Luis says he thinks he, he says, I've got everything under control. It's fine. It was just a misunderstanding. The mayor's like not having any of it. He turns to Sam and he's like, is this the officer that you were recommending for detective? And every time this officer's name comes up, he's causing me trouble. And just, he, I hate this mayor. I hate him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just was like, this guy. Also, I didn't love the acting. He was really off-putting yeah. in every conceivable way. Yeah. And at one point, Sam finally gets a word in edgewise. Mm-hmm. And the mayor looks at him and says, you know what? This man is very fortunate to have you in his corner. So I'm going to do him a favor. I'm not going to fire him for his shameful behavior. But I'll be damned if he ever makes detective while I am in office. Yeah. So... Well, and I had a question about this, and I guess every town is different, but does the mayor have any power over who gets promoted within the police department generally? I can't imagine that they're involved in that level, but also there's, I don't, I'm sure there's a bunch of political stuff that goes on behind, Mm. uh, behind the scenes that we don't know about. Because I mean, Sam's the chief. Mm -hmm. Sam's the person that makes the decision Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Yeah, but a lot of people are, are talking to Sam as if they have a choice in the matter. You know, like, yeah. And it's interesting because sheriffs are not sheriffs. Oh, he's the chief. Sheriffs are elected. Right. Are chiefs appointed? Is that, is there a difference between the chief of police and the sheriff? I don't know. Now I'm having, because I've been thinking of him as the sheriff. No, but he's, yeah, he's the chief of police. So, okay. So maybe there's something, maybe there's somebody above him in the police department that I can't, like the sheriff who is elected. And so there's like a political, there is a (laughs) political component there. I don't know. Yeah. I, um, I mean, just think about like, Teaching in a school, there's political component. Mm. Now I can't say it. There's a political component behind that stuff too. There's always something going on behind the scenes. There's always someone angling for something and trying to support one thing and promote another thing and do all this. And so I'm sure there's some shit going on behind the scenes. And this is the writers of passions version of it. Mm. So after the mayor says all this bullshit, he leaves, right? And Sheridan apologizes profusely to Louise. She's very, very upset. Like she really regrets what has happened. Luis is super pissed though, and I totally understand why. Although he should have just let her s- explain what happened, they should have just explained what happened. But I do understand why he's mad. I would be very angry, honestly. Oh, Somebody just showed red. up to my job and threw a pie in my face. I'd be seeing red. Yeah, yeah. And then the result of them throwing a pie in my face is that I've basically not been demoted, but stalled. Mm-hmm. Like there's no upward mobility now in my job, and I've had my sights set on this, and I've been working really hard for it for years. Yeah, I'd be pretty upset. And Sheridan knew, because they had had that conversation about him making detective and how it would be more money and how important it was to him. So I think that also played into how bad she felt. Mm-hmm. And I felt really bad for Luis when the mayor was like, he'll never make detective. I was like, that's a little shitty. So she's trying to apologize. And then he realizes, wait a minute. Weren't you supposed to be chaperoning the dance? Why are you out here throwing pies at people anyway? Mm-hmm. And Hank tries to stand up for her and say, well, we were just trying to get in the spirit. But he's like, you know what? Forget it. Just like the dance is almost over. You got so much into the spirit that you didn't go supervise the children. And so just go anywhere else. Like the dance is going to be over any minute. Go home. Go do something else. I don't want to see your faces right now. Yeah. 
And Luis just says, stay away from me. Let me do my job. And he leaves. And then Hank asks Sheridan out for a drink. Read the room, dude. (laughs) Read the room. No. I think he's kind of like, look, I know the evening was basically ruined. Like, let's just have a drink and laugh about it. Well, he was like, well, as long as we're not going to the dance anymore, if we're off the hook, you want to go down to the bar and get a drink? No. I just got my ass handed to me. Yeah. I, I just maybe ruined someone's life. Like, mm-hmm. no, I don't want to go have a drink with you, Hank. A celebratory life ruining drink? Yeah, what a jackass. <laughs> so Sheridan rightly is like, no, thank you. I have something important that I need to do. And I wrote down, she better go pull some strings with the mayor on behalf of Luis. And that's exactly what she does. She chases down after Monsieur Mayor and reintroduces herself. She's like, by the way, I didn't get a chance to tell you. I'm Sheridan Crane. I haven't seen you since I was a child. She's like, oh. And he says, oh, that's why I didn't recognize you. It's been such a long time. You should come over for dinner. We would love to, my wife and I would love to see you. And she's like, well, I would love that. But first, we've got to talk about what just happened. And she defends Luis. She says, this man is a conscientious police officer. She clarifies what happens, asks the mayor to reconsider. And he does. And he's like, okay, well, thanks for explaining the situation. Everything will be fine, basically. Like, she smooths the whole thing over, goes to tell Luis what she did. And uh, he gets mad. He gets mad at her. He gets more angry with her. Yeah, the, well, the mayor goes and tells Luis with Sheridan. Yeah. Well, and Sheridan doesn't want to go with him. Yeah. She's like, can't you just go? Well, she knows that Luis is going to be upset that she was involved in any way. And so she's like, you know what? Why, I'll, I'll step back and let you go talk to him. And uh, I'll stay out of this one. But the mayor won't hear it. So Yeah. So the mayor takes back everything he said, and he leaves. And then Luis is mad at Sheridan, like you said. And they argue again. These people argue. I wrote, they argue. Who cares? But then Sheridan eventually says, enough with the zingers already. And I was like, yes, enough. Yeah. I'm over it. I'm done with the zingers. It's like the writers of Passions knew that I had been saying, why are they constantly just doing this, zinging each other back and forth? It's like they knew we've done this too much. (laughs) Enough with the zingers already. It's like they they zinged themselves. You zinged yourself. Yeah. So yeah he she says enough she she again sincerely apologizes and tries to get Luis to use the crane influence to get his promotion yeah she says you know what like it or not I can help you I'm offering to help you like why won't you accept you know a little leg up there's nothing wrong with this yeah but Luis says he'll either earn it himself or he doesn't want it and he says you know (laughs) he then says you know what you can do for me though she's like what Stay the hell out of my life. <laughs> Here's the thing. He yells at her. Luis has this chip on his shoulder, as we know. And he says uh, over and over again, like, I want to earn this on my own. But the only thing he's earning with the way he treats the wealthy people and the powerful people in harmony is he's earning a bad reputation for himself. He cannot move forward if he's constantly rude to everybody. Mm-hmm. And he has a lot of good points. I'm not trying to say that he's that he's in the wrong all the time because I understand what he's talking about with these little impassioned speeches he gives and they're great and they make a lot of sense. However, you can't just be mean to people and expect them to be kind to you or treat you reasonably because they're going to have an emotional reaction no matter who it is. And if they're in power, it's going to keep you down. So, yeah. He yeah, so when Sheridan offers to help and he gets mad at her, it's just, I don't know. He's wrong. He's wrong. He's wrong. He's wrong. He's wrong. She's been wrong a lot, but she's right. She's right this time. He's yeah. wrong. He's being unreasonable. I, I do understand him not wanting her to try to use her influence, but he doesn't have to be like so nasty about it. He can just say, no, thank you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because she, it is coming from a good place. Yeah. It really is. And we can, we know that. All right. So let's talk about quickly. Let's, well, not quickly. Let's talk about Ethan, Gwen, and Teresa. Yes. Yes. Let's talk Ethan, about Ethan, Gwen, Gwen and, and Teresa. Teresa. So uh, earlier in the night while Sheridan was getting ready, she and was talking to Ethan and Gwen in her cottage. And Gwen 
says that she and Ethan are going to go to the Halloween dance. And Sharon is like, ha ha ha, good joke. (laughs) (laughs) And Gwen's like, no, really. I thought it might be a fun thing to do. And on top of it, we can go help Teresa hook up with the guy that she's been interested in, but seems to not be able to meet up with. So it's an ulterior motive, really. And Ethan says that. He's like, yeah, she's doing this partially to eliminate Teresa as her competition, which is silly, you know? Yeah. And Gwen says, I know how silly it is. I know how silly my insecurity was. So I really just want to help Teresa find the guy that she wants to be with because I've got the guy of my dreams, blah, blah, blah. But we know the truth, Gwen. And (laughs) so Sheridan asked them, what will they wear to the dance? And Ethan decides on being the Phantom of the Opera. And Gwen decides that she's going to be Catwoman. Inspired. Yep. Inspired choices, you two. (laughs) Catwoman and the Phantom of the Opera. I mean, whatever. Yeah. Gwen's like, I have a black cat suit, you know. And Ethan's like, my dad has an opera coat and I have a tux. And I was like, okay, yeah. Honestly, where'd he get the mask? Uh, didn't he say he could call like the costume shop or something? Oh, he like he had like a like a, a contact. Oh, okay. Yeah, he there was because someone asked. I think Gwen was like, "How are you gonna get a mask?" And he's like, "Oh, I have a contact out of the costume <laughs> shop." Okay, Ethan. So before they leave for the dance, Ethan has a little run in with Julian again, mm. and Julian's just really gross again, as he is. Julian's just a sleaze. Yeah, he's Julian nasty. is just a sleaze. But he has this little run in where he insinuates that Ethan is going to the dance basically just to see Teresa. And then Gwen comes in and they leave for the dance. Mm-hmm. Like that's what happens. So let's talk about Teresa. Yes. So at the Lopez Fitzgerald house, Teresa and Whitney are getting ready for the dance and they have gorgeous costumes. Beautiful. Teresa. I'm not really sure who she's supposed to be. Yeah, I don't know. But she looks beautiful. I feel like she was just supposed to be like a generic, like, queen i think they were both supposed to be like royalty and that's what they were doing together well whitney Whitney really looked like marie antoinette marie antoinette let them eat cake honey she looks fucking fabulous that gown was everything that gown is like an opera heroine's costume when she goes to the ball like it was stunning it was gorgeous she and she looked great in it and the wig she looked fantastic she looked gorgeous fantastic so they're getting ready for the dance and Teresa laments that Ethan, I, I just hate that Ethan's not going to get to see me looking so beautiful. Look how gorgeous I am. <laughs> and her mother kind of overhears it and comes into the room and is like, you stay far away from Ethan and Gwen. But Pilar spills the beans. She tells them what they're going to be dressed as. She tells her daughter, Ethan is going to be the Phantom of the Opera. Gwen's going to be Catwoman. So now you know who they are. Stay away from them. Tells them exactly what they're going to be wearing. Because the exchange went like this, and it was so stupid. Pilar, what are you doing? She's, she's overworked. She's exhausted. The exchange, she doesn't know. She knows not what she says. The exchange goes like this. Teresa, oh, I'm so sad. Ethan won't see me in this dress. Pilar, oh, actually, Gwen and Ethan are going to the dance, too. And Teresa, oh, well, too bad I won't be able to tell what they, who they are what they are. Oh, actually, Ethan's going to be the Phantom of the Opera, and Gwen's going to be Catwoman. Oh, great. Thanks, Mama. Like, Pilar, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Pilar, what are you honestly? What are you doing, woman? <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> so Teresa, of course, is going to take this information and run with it. She's going to find a way to spend time with Ethan at this dance. Yeah. After Pilar leaves, she says, "Ethan's coming to the dance because he wants to see me." Oh, Teresa. And then she goes, "I will get him to dance with me tonight." And then Whitney's like, "Gwen's going to be there, and she's not going to let you come anywhere near Ethan." And Teresa's like. I've got a plan for this. And she's like, where's that address book that Ivy Crane gave me? So she gets her address book and finds a phone number. We don't know what she's going to do with this. I don't know what. I honestly was like, where is this going? She's going to do something diabolical. This was too far. 
it was too, way it was, too far. It was definitely something. We're I, we're getting into K territory, so let's yeah. let's talk about we, these girls. We going are to getting, dance. we are getting into we are definitely getting into K territory, but it's it it's still light. It's look, still a little lighter look, and lovable. You can't get past letting your cousin get run over by a train. Yeah. Like how are, how do you escalate beyond that? You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. this is this is and also K has gotten zero indication from Miguel that he's in any way interested in her. True. But Ethan has been sending Teresa signals. He has. He has. He has, but she's a lunatic. <laughs> she's <laughs> lovable, but she's a lunatic. He told he absolutely exquisite eyes. Yeah. Come on, man. Come on, man. So anyway, oh, anyway, let's get to this fucking. Let's go dance. to the dance. So Teresa and Whitney arrive at the dance. They look gorgeous. And Whitney, upon arrival, notices Chad at the DJ booth, and she can't help herself. She has to go bother him. Yeah, she's immediately irritated to see that Chad is there. It's like, girl, it's a free country. He can be where the fuck he wants to be. He can be anywhere he wants to be. So she goes up to him and says, I know the director of the youth center, and he would not be happy with you messing around with the music. And Chad's like, uh, I met the director of the youth center. I'm not messing around. Luis knows I'm here. I was introduced to him as the youth center director. I'm not messing around because Simone helped me get this DJ gig. Yeah. So like, get out of my face, dude. Get the fuck out of my face. Get out of my face. Yeah. So she, yeah, she's annoying and frustrating. Extremely. And yeah, he, he's there and he's obviously the person in charge of this, right? Like it, it, I don't know. There's a whole station set up. Yeah. It's a whole DJ booth. And you would think someone would come tell him if he's not supposed yeah, to be there. They would not... deal with it. Yeah. Except there are no chaperones at the dance. No. They're, they're all dealing with the mayor right now. So I don't know. Yeah. Where are the adults, Latara? N- nowhere to be seen. <laughs> these children have free reign of this town. That's something I found out in these last five episodes. I was like, these children just do whatever the fuck they want to do. That's true. They really do. So I think this line made me laugh because Chad, he's, he kind of, he doesn't tell Whitney off. He's just like, I know Louise, he gave me this job. Everything's fine. And then he tells her, but you, uh, you should know that you came in the wrong costume. You should have dressed up as a witch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause she's looking like a witch. She's doing, she's getting on my nerves. She's acting like a witch, but she's looking like a beauty, a beauty queen. She looks amazing. So then Teresa grabs Whitney and tells her to loosen up and have some fun. But Whitney says she can't because she has to spend the rest of the night making sure Simone stays away from that punk. And Teresa makes the great point of like, well, everyone tells me to stay away from Ethan, but do I? No. She's like, leave Simone alone. Leave Chad alone. Come have fun with me. Yeah. So after some coaxing, she goes with Teresa to find Ethan. But throughout this whole night, Whitney's whole thing is just that she is bothering Simone, following her around, arguing with her about Chad, arguing with Chad about Chad. Like, you know, (laughs) they, they don't do anything important. They just, she doesn't. They go, it's, yeah, the entire night is... Whitney with Teresa, then Whitney going to bother her sister. Then Whitney with Teresa, then Whitney bothering Chad. And they just, she just goes back and forth and argues the whole dance. Yeah. So at one of these points when Whitney is with Teresa, they actually see Gwen and Ethan arrive at the dance. And they're so excited. She's like, there they are. They're here. That's Catwoman and the Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> That's going to be them. And so Gwen and Ethan start to dance. Meanwhile, Teresa's plotting a little something, something. Oh, sorry. Before yeah. we get into this, I think we should say... This is a full-blown masquerade. These people look great. Everyone's wearing wigs. Everyone's wearing masks. People are disguising their voices or just using gestures because the music is so loud that they can't really be heard. So this is rife for uh, a case of mistaken identity. Mm -hmm. We just need to set that up immediately. At this dance, it's almost impossible to tell who is who. Oh, yeah. 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 (laughs) Like, people's entire faces are covered. Yeah. 
You know, some people, it's funny because some people are like completely covered and then some people just have like a little thing over their eyes. Like Whitney, Whitney, you knew who she was. I don't That's even true. think she ever wore a mask. Yeah, I don't. And the whole, one of the rules that we find out is that you're not supposed to, we're not supposed to be able to see your face or be able to tell who you are. But I don't remember Whitney having a mask on. I don't think she did. Uh, everybody else did though. Like, like no. full face covering yeah. masks. Yeah. Actually, Simone didn't either. Simone had a mask. She had like a little white one. Oh, she did? Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. So Teresa starts to plot on Gwen. She's plotting. And she pulls out her cell phone. She's like, now I'm going to declaw that cat, basically. <laughs> Time to declaw Gwen. And she calls someone. And we're like, what is who? I was like, who's she calling? I know. I, was, I didn't even write it down because I didn't think it was important. And then Gwen gets a page. She paged Gwen. Yeah. Which, like, what happens if she calls that number and your phone rings? You know what I mean? Like, I, I, but I don't remember how pager technology works. Like, once the number's there does it go away after a certain amount of time i don't remember how it I don't works know. i don't i don't know how. can you save the numbers i don't remember how it works i've never had a pager i like we never had one in the family like i don't know how pagers work but gwen takes the page mm-hmm. out looks at it and says "Ooh, i'm expecting an important work call this might be it I, let me let me go find a phone and deal with this i'll be right back yeah and so then she kind of runs into Teresa as she's looking for a pay phone but she doesn't know it's Teresa mm-hmm. and she asks um do you know where there's a phone around here and Teresa directs her to a closet and locks her in yep <laughs> real villain shit real she, villain shit she, does, she was like oh oh yes there's one right over here I believe she doesn't even over speak there she doesn't speak to Gwen she uses that ridiculous accent when she talks to Ethan she uh-huh. talks like this like a southern bale but when she's with Gwen she only gestures with her with her oh, uh, hand okay. and points that direction I'm like speak yeah like, you look very suspicious if well, you don't speak well Gwen goes into this like closet Ugh. space and she goes and she's like there's no phone in here. That girl must not be from around here. She must not know. Blah, blah, blah. Then she goes to try to leave and she's been locked into a closet. Now, this was one of my favorite parts of like the entire week. I mean, there was a lot of great moments, but Teresa, after locking Gwen in the closet, goes to Ethan, makes a beeline to Ethan and uses this weird Southern accent. Oh, hello. It's not good. Like no. I have a good, I actually can do a good Southern accent. Well, you're Her, from the South. I'm from the South, so I can just do it because I'm Southern and that's how I grew up talking. But, oh, hello. Yeah, Teresa kind of talks like this. It was, it was so bad. But anyway, she coaxes Ethan into dancing with her. She's like, why don't you dance with May? And he's like, I'm just waiting on my girlfriend. She's like, well, you can dance with May while, she, while you wait for her. And then... Um, they dance. And Ethan is such a dunce. He looks at Teresa and he says, we dance so well together. Do I know you? It's almost as if we've danced together before. Yep. Dur, dur, dur. Okay, Ethan. <laughs> like, Ethan. 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 And then after dancing with this unknown woman for a very long time, they danced for a very long time, Ethan finally decides to go and look for Gwen. He's like, my girlfriend's been gone for a while. I think I should go look for her. So he goes to look for her. <laughs> For all of three seconds. He walks out of the dance, like, floor, off the dance floor and into, like, the hallway. Looks left, looks right, and then walks back into the dance He floor. goes, Gwen, <laughs> Gwen, and then he goes back. But while he's in the three seconds that he's looking for Gwen, <laughs> Teresa tells Whitney, Whitney um, talks to Teresa and is like, it looks like y'all are having a good time, blah, blah, blah. How'd you get rid of Gwen? And Teresa tells her that she locked her in a closet. And Whitney goes, Teresa... Where do you get your nerve? And I was like, <laughs> yes, the fucking nerve of this girl. Yeah. The, the nerve. 
Are you kidding? She locked her in a closet. That's psycho shit. Yeah, I know. That's psycho shit. Yeah. Like it's that's nutty. And I love Teresa. Don't get me wrong. But I'm and I'm not gonna defend. I, obviously, I'm not defending this. It's, it's great. It's it's great entertainment. It's very entertaining to me. And the way that they have packaged this with Teresa, I love to watch. But she's out of her fucking mind. Yeah, yeah. And she is absolutely escalating. She is absolutely escalating. Yeah, Teresa's. Uh, charm is wearing off oh no i still find it very charming (laughs) yeah no this is it's it's fun television to watch but oh my god and gwen is in there pounding on the door and screaming to be loud and no one can hear because the music is so loud she's fighting for her life in that closet and Teresa's like giggling she's giddy she's giddy i she's a nut she's a nut so anyway and whitney points out that she's like if Luis was here, you would never get away with any of this. And Teresa's like, well, he isn't. Because it's, again, it's there's, fate. No, there's no chaperones at this dance. It's fate, Laura. Where are the adults? It's fate. So Ethan comes back, having not found Gwen, but also having not looked very hard for Gwen, right? <laughs> and Teresa gets in the dance with her again. She's like, well, you should dance with me. We should dance while you wait. I'm sure she'll come back. She said something about how the line at the women's restroom is always really long. So she's, mm. she probably just got caught up in that. Yeah. Teresa, what if something happened and like the building caught on fire and everyone had to evacuate? Gwen stuck. This is no. <laughs> R.I.P. Gwen. <laughs> I just like, of course, I'm going to like worst case scenario, but like Teresa. Teresa, that shit was crazy. So, meanwhile, while Ethan is dancing with Teresa again, I mean, they danced for like an hour. Yeah. They danced for so long. While um, Teresa is dancing with Ethan, Jessica is out in the hallway and she hears Gwen beating on the door. She's like, oh my God, is somebody in that closet? And she lets Gwen out of the closet. And Gwen, this was hilarious. This, oh God, poor Gwen. Gwen thanks Jessica. She's like, oh my gosh, thank you. I'm sure my boyfriend must be worried, sick, trying to find me. <laughs> and she walks right into the dance and sees Ethan. She's very disappointed to see that Ethan is not thinking about her at all he's having a jolly old time dancing with some other bitch mm-hmm. I mean poor and honestly I felt really bad for Gwen in this moment like I I wrote he sucks yeah I felt so bad for her I almost cried yeah. the look on her face when she saw him dancing with another girl while she was locked in a closet for like an hour yeah if not more yeah because this the dance was just this one night like and they unmask soon after this which tells me that they must be getting towards the end of the evening like she was in that closet screaming crying trying to no pun intended claw her way out <laughs> like and her and she finally is freed and gets back to the dance and sees her boyfriend having a great time with another woman yeah it uh-uh. was it was so fucked up yeah i felt so i really i her face she that actress did a, some good acting there yeah. like it her face made me broke my heart and like the week before like they've been getting in arguments about other about other women specifically Teresa. Mm-hmm. and on top of it he like what did he call her stupid idiotic idiotic i mean come on you're being idiotic yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. gwen walks over to ethan and confronts him saying that she was locked in a closet and Ethan tells her, I looked for you, but I couldn't find you. But luckily this mysterious lady kept me company or else I would have driven myself crazy worrying, worrying about you. What the fuck? The fuck? What does this woman have to do with whether you worry about, worry about me or not? Because she can distract him. That's how it is. Like a, like a, like a, a kid with what's the word I'm looking for? Like a shiny toy or something. Yeah, he's so trash. Yeah, he's pretty awful. He's so trash. It's all about him all the time. Well, it is at this moment that Chad, our DJ, announces that it's time for everyone to reveal yourself. <laughs> it's time for the great reveal. Okay. <laughs> and 
I was screaming. I was, I again, I watched this at work and I was like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? They have to take off their mask. Is Teresa going to take off her mask? They're like, what is going to happen? She played this well. Cause I honestly thought that she was not going to get away with this. Like for, for a moment, as soon as Chad was like, take off your masks. I honestly was like, Oh, Teresa's, Teresa's done for. Obviously, everybody's going to figure out what happened here. Well, she had to go in with a plan, though, because she knew that this was a masquerade, and at the end of the night, everyone was going to reveal who who they That's were. That's true. You know, so she had to go in with a fully, like, developed <laughs> plan that she could execute and walk away from looking good. Yeah. And, and, well, I don't know if she looked good, but she, she did to Ethan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's an idiot. So, they, so dead. So they all take off their masks, and Teresa's like, oh, my God, Ethan? Oh my gosh, she's acting so surprised that it's Ethan. And he's genuinely surprised that it's her. <laughs> but Gwen is not surprised to see her. Gwen is in no way surprised to see her. She's like, of course, of yeah. course it's you. Gwen actually makes a really good point. She's like, Teresa, it was you who directed me to the closet when I asked for the phone. Like, because Gwen is not stupid. Gwen is no dummy. She is on to Teresa. She is... She has figured out what's going on and she directly accuses her of not locking her in the closet, but basically getting her out of the way. Mm -hmm. And Teresa's like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I feel terrible about this. Please forgive me. I had no idea. I thought there was a phone back there, you know, and she, she feigns ignorance. Right. And she says, I didn't, I had no, how would I have known that it was you? Like, I didn't know it was you. I didn't know it was Ethan. I didn't know y'all were like, and also to be honest, she has no reason uh, to think even think that Ethan Crane and Gwen Hotchkiss would be at this youth center dance because when Pilar tells her they're going, she laughs. She's like, good one. Good one, mom. Why would Ethan be at our stupid little dance? And she makes the point too. She's like, how would I even know it was you? I didn't know you were coming. And how would I know what your costumes are? Like, there's no way I could have like intentionally misdirected you. And I think it is at this moment, I could like almost see the cogs turning and see that, that uh, switch flip in Gwen where she's like, I'm going to play this game with you, Teresa. Mm -hmm. Like all of a sudden she's like, you know what? I'm done taking the high road. Like we're get ready, get ready. Like Gwen is, is, is about to be a whole nother person. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. She, she, yes. Yeah, she is. So Teresa basically is like, so what are you doing here anyway? You know? And Ethan t- explains to her that Gwen wanted to hook her up with that mysterious guy. And Gwen's like, oh yeah, where is he? Mm-hmm. Like, I'd love to meet him. Maybe we could help you. And Teresa's like, oh, let me go find him. So she goes to look for this non-existent man, mm. right? And Gwen's jealousy and insecurity comes back full force. Mm-hmm. She is, poor, poor Gwen. I, and it's, it's reasonable. It's re- she was locked in a closet, for God's sake. Yeah. This girl locked her in a closet. She doesn't know it was Teresa, but she has her suspicions. suspicions. Well, and she does know because she's seen with her own eyes that this girl and her boyfriend have an attraction. Mm-hmm. And she can also tell that this girl is gunning for her boyfriend who proposed to her. Like they are considering marriage. They're like on the precipice of getting engaged. Yeah. And she's like, why is this girl pushing so hard to to get between me and the person that I love? Yeah. You know, and Teresa, like fantasizing is charming and, and sweet and all this other stuff. And all those things at the beginning were accidents. And she really, I mean, there was a lot of there. I mean, she pretended to be somebody else and put on a disguise to be in the mansion. I mean, there's some questionable stuff going on, but this has crossed a line. Mm-hmm. Teresa has crossed a line. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And I still love her. She, oh, she's lovable, but what's not to love, but boy, oh boy. Yeah. So Gwen again, states her problems with Teresa to Ethan. She again Say, says how uncomfortable she is with Teresa. And again, Ethan brushes off her concerns as silly. Mm-hmm. We do that again. So that's where they are with this at the dance. Yep. 
So now we got to talk about K. Yes, we have to talk about K. Now let's talk about K. This shit. So we need to talk about the girls getting ready for the dance and then going to the dance. So really quickly, just want to talk about Grace looking like a beautiful 80s version of Glinda the Good Witch. Yeah, she looked great. She looked great. She had this big curly red wig. I loved her with the long crown. hair. I, yeah, she looked fabulous. I mean, she looks good with short hair too, but like the long, big, like curly hair. She had on like this beautiful pink sparkly floor length gown with long sleeves, giant shoulder pads. I mean, I loved this look. So she's handing out candy to the trick-or-treaters while the girls are getting ready upstairs for the dance. And Miguel stops by for absolutely no reason At other all. than for Grace to tell him that Charity will be dressed as a dancing girl. That's mm-hmm. literally the only reason that he's there. And then he tells Grace, I'm going to be dressed like Bluebeard the pirate, but please keep it a surprise because I want it to be a secret. Yeah. Because I want her to dance with me, not knowing it's me because yeah. she's still a little scared of me. And Grace agrees. And Miguel's still there. He just hangs out there for a little bit, I guess. Yeah. I think he was there to just ensure that Charity was really going to the dance. Yeah. That's what he said. He, yeah. he was like, yeah, I just want to, I know she was really uncomfortable with the dancing girl costume, like, and she's really shy shy and blah, 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 whatever. Well, meanwhile, while Miguel's downstairs talking to Grace, Kay, Charity, and Simone are upstairs getting ready for the dance, and Kay and Charity have switched costumes. And Charity is having second thoughts about this costume because it is uncomfortable. It looks uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But Kay brushes off her concerns. She's like, you look great, and we're going to have a good time. Like, let's go. To the dance this this is a fine you are have a fine costume because she knows she wants charity to go to the the dance as this like swamp creature or whatever <laughs> because if charity stays home miguel won't go to the dance right if right. she finds out if he finds out the charity stayed home he'll come he'll go run into charity you mm-hmm. know so she needs charity to go to the dance but she also needs charity to look like shit yeah <laughs> and simone pulls uh Kay aside and is like what are you doing like charity's costume is terrible. And Kay looks at Simone and goes, no, it's not. She looks great. And she was scared to go. And this is the only way to get her there. And, and Simone points out, he's like, no, you're doing this just to get her there and make her look bad. And Kay says, well, it's not my fault. She's gullible. <laughs> it's not my fault. She's gullible. Yeah. This is not my problem. It's like, Kay, this is entirely your problem. You are your own problem. You are your own worst enemy. She, you're my nemesis too. You're my worst enemy. Mm. I hate her. She's terrible. So Kay comes downstairs and is unpleasantly surprised to see Miguel. Mm-hmm. And she's wearing like a trench coat. Yeah, you can't over tell what her costume, costume is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he tells her that he just came by to see if Charity is okay with the dancing girl costume. And he was worried that Charity might change his her change her mind and all of this, blah, blah, blah. And Kay then tells him that she convinced her that everything would be fine as long as she kept her mask on all night. So don't ask her to take her mask off, okay? She tells him, don't ask her to take off her mask. And Miguel agrees and says, oh, what a good friend you are, Kay. You're such a good friend. (sighs) Then Kay, Kay goes, yes, I'll arrange everything for you. And she says that she'll make sure to tell Charity to dance with the first person who asks her. But Kay is just digging herself a bigger and bigger hole to bury herself in. Yeah. Honestly. Because what would have happened if her plan worked the way... It, I'm getting ahead of myself. But what would have happened if her plan had worked the way she thought her plan was working? Well, and we'll, we'll get into it. But she uh, starts having Teresa delusions where... Except Teresa's right. But Kay believes at one point. She's like, no, Miguel knows it's me. And yeah. he's into it just the way that I am. Like, we have such a great uh, connection. Like, I can tell he knows that it's me. He doesn't actually think it's Charity. Like, she has convinced herself of a lie. Mm. But but we, we can get into that a little later. Okay. But, um, yeah. So, Kay has set up a situation where she tells Miguel, Charity is still shy, so you have to keep asking her to dance with you. And she'll dance with you all night if you do. Yeah. Well, Miguel then reminds Kay 
of his costume and Reese's costume. He's like, I'm going to be Bluebeard. Reese is going to be Zorro, right? Mm-hmm. We've got that all set up. He, oh, yeah. He also says, I think this is going to be a night we'll never forget. <laughs> and maybe, Kay, you'll get that kiss from Reese. Oh, yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah, maybe. She's like, oh, fingers great. crossed. Great. <laughs> Can't wait to put my mouth on, my mouth on Reese's mouth. <laughs> so on his way out of the house, because Miguel has to go get ready for this dance, he runs into Jessica, who has discovered that Miguel does not know about the costume switch. Kay kept that to herself. So obviously, Jessica is going to pull like a bait and switch situation. They're already setting it up that she is the only person who has all of the information, knows who knows what and who doesn't know what else, and is going to go behind the scenes and foil Kay's plan. Yep. And she does it spectacularly. Beautifully. And honestly, we'll get to it. Jessica's the hero of this entire night. Je- Jessica is, yes, she let Gwen out of the closet. Yeah. Yes, she did all of this bullshit. Yes, she, yeah. she is the hero of this night. So back inside, the girls, Kay, Charity, Jessica, and Simone, are all about to leave for the dance when Grace sees Charity's <laughs> costume and is like, oh, is that what you're wearing? And she's like, you know what? Let me see if I can whip you up something else. Let me let me see if we can. Let's go up to the sewing room and maybe we can pull something else together. Or And she's like, or at least take off this mask. But Kay's like, no. She's like, we're going to be late for the, the dance and we're all supposed to be wearing our masks. Nobody's supposed to know. We all have to wear our masks. Masks up, people. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> all, yeah. Aside. <laughs> Halloween aside. Passions aside. Wear your fucking mask. <laughs> yeah, your Don't fucking be an mask. asshole. Don't, Don't be- spread the coronavirus. We're in the middle of a pandemic and not wearing a mask is not an option. Wear your fucking mask. I had to tell a lady on the subway who sat down next to me with her mask down to pull her mask up. And then she moved. Good. She and her kid moved across the subway and then like gave me dirty looks. But I was like, I was nice about it. I was like, if you're going to sit here, can you please pull up your mask? Like, come on now. Yeah. You're putting everybody at risk. It's not that hard. Also, it's the law, at least in New York Here City. Here it is. Yeah. yeah. I don't know it's not elsewhere, but like be respectful, be responsible, like take care of your fellow humans. So anyway, anyway back to passions. Back to passions. But I, I loved this moment with Grace because it just shows how kind she is, but also how sensible she is. She's like, Charity is making a mistake. I don't <laughs> want to hurt her feelings, but I cannot let her out of the house like this. Yeah. <laughs> and she tries her darndest to help out her niece, but Charity, well, Kay yeah. steps in and just bullies Charity into going to dance as she is. Yeah. She's like, we're going to be late for the dance, mom. And she can't take off her mask because nobody's supposed to know who they are, who we are. And the flippers complete the look because <laughs> that was one of the things Grace was like, well, take off the flippers at least, you know, because she was like tripping. Charity was very uncomfortable. Poor thing. Not poor thing. It was hilarious. <laughs> it was so funny. Oh, I did not feel bad. I didn't feel bad for her. It was funny like uh, because come on, girl, you know, you if you're uncomfortable and you you also just look horrendous. Yeah. You know, just because you have, have amnesia doesn't mean that you can't say, you know, I want to wear something else. Yeah, Charity doesn't really seem to have any kind of spine. No, no. So Grace tells the girls to have fun. And remember, strange things can happen on Halloween. And we are going to get to all of those strange things. (laughs) And I can't wait. We're going to finish big on this night. (laughs) All right, so let's go over to the dance. All right, so the girls get to the dance. And uh, Charity's kind of standing off, like, to the side. And you know how, like, at high school dances, there's, like, the group of people in the middle, and then there's, like, the perimeter of people just standing, like, Mm. awkwardly? Mm -hmm. She's in the perimeter. Yeah. And she's dressed as the Swamp Thing, Creature from the Black Lagoon, a pile of seaweed. Like, she, I don't, you know, she looks like all of those things. And then Zorro comes up and asks her to dance wordlessly. He just kind of bows at her, and she's like, oh, okay. So... Yeah, and, so, and, and Jessica's sitting with her and pushes yeah. her to dance with Zora. Right. And this is the funniest thing to me because Charity is so annoying and is so helpless and frail that she's like, well, I can't dance because I keep tripping over my flippers. <laughs> and Jessica has to be the person to tell her to just take them off. If you can't move, take off the flippers and then you can go dance and have a good time. Like Charity couldn't do that for herself. 
Jessica had to give her permission. Jessica's the hero. Yeah, Jessica's the hero. She's the hero of the night. So Charity dances with Zorro. And then we see Bluebeard ask the dancing girl to dance. But right before that, Simone says to Kay, who is the dancing girl, he's going to recognize your voice. Mm-hmm. And then Kay's like, oh, shit, yeah, um, I'll just pretend I have a cold. And so when he asks her to dance, she's like, uh, uh, excuse me, I probably sound kind of weird because I have a cold. <laughs> uh, she goes to dance. <coughs> I would love to. <coughs> excuse me, I have a cold. <laughs> it's like, okay. All right, Kay, fine. I can't. I'm, I'm sick. sick. <laughs> so um, so they dance, and they think that they are dancing. Well, Kay thinks that her plan is going beautifully, mm-hmm. stunningly. So... On a break from dancing, Kay is talking to Simone and she's saying she's in heaven and she thinks that Miguel Bluebeard knows she isn't charity. She's like, I, yeah. I, I think maybe he thought I was charity at first, but now I know he, he thinks he knows it's me. And next time we start to dance, I'm going to kiss him to, because if I kiss him where charity can see me, there's no way she'll go after him again because she's such a goody goody. I, yeah. Kay has uh, deluded herself into thinking that Miguel knows that it is her. But underneath that costume, even though you can't see anything of her face. Uh, and this brings me to a question. Does Kay love charity? Because everything she does is really about charity. Because she says, I need to position myself so that charity can see me dancing with Bluebeard, who she thinks is Miguel, and then watches us make out. She She's doing this all for charity. It's not really for her or for Miguel because she could just kiss Miguel and not think about charity at all. She mm-hmm. could have her fantasies about Miguel and not think about charity at all. But mm-hmm. charity is actually at the center of everything that Kay is doing. No, she's totally obsessed with charity. It's really weird. It is very weird. It It is very weird. And this whole I have to kiss him in front of her thing is weird. Yeah. So anyway, she goes back to dancing and she starts to make out heavy with Bluebeard, the pirate. Yep. Through that mask, he the Bluebeard mask was like a full-blown, like, over-the-face mask. It wasn't, yeah. like, just over the eyes. It wasn't, like, it was, like, a rubber mask that goes over your entire head. So what, were there, was there, like, a lip hole? Well, I, I don't know if you noticed, but I saw her, like, push, like, the beard out of the way. And, like, she had to really, like, finagle stuff to get her mouth Ugh. on his. Ugh. Like, it, was, it looked awful. That's so gross. <laughs> these, poor, these two poor kids. Yeah, it's, it's pretty awkward. And at, at we, I mean, we assume that this can't possibly be Miguel. There's no way. We're supposed to believe it is, but I don't know. At, at the same time that this is happening, Charity is still dancing with Zorro and having a good time. And they take like a little break to, you know, to cool down, get some air, maybe get a little drink. And Jessica comes up to Charity and Charity's like, who am I dancing with? Who is this? I'm having such a good time and I don't even know who I'm with. And Jessica's like, oh, you know, don't worry about it. He's a friend of mine from school. You just have a nice night. So these two girls are having completely separate evenings mm-hmm. in the same space, thinking that they're dancing with people that they're not with. Yeah. So after this kiss that Kay is over the moon about, she pulls Simone aside, gloats about how well her plan is working. And while Kay is over the moon about her plan working, Charity and Zorro are getting closer and closer. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it's time for, the big reveal. The unmasking hour. And Kay is mortified <laughs> to realize she's been dancing with and making out in front of everyone with <laughs> Reese Durkee, 
Harmony's turkey. She looks like she's going to throw up. She looks like she's going to barf when she realizes that she's been making out with Reese in front of everyone. I was laughing so hard. I was like, ha, 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 ha. And then on uh, my paper, is like, I was like laughing. Ah, ha, ha, right? And I was uh-huh. like, foiled again, bitch. She's foiled again. <laughs> foiled again. So Miguel comes up to Kay and Reese and uh, is like, I'm so happy for you. This is so exciting. And because the boys have switched costumes. Jessica was working behind the scenes and made some shit go down. Yeah. And Miguel tells Kay that he can't take all the credit for the costume switch because it was Jessica's idea for him mm. and Reese to swap. And she looked murderous. <laughs> and she grabs Simone and rushes away before she blows up because she doesn't want to flip out in front of Miguel. Mm-hmm. And Miguel is so dumb. Well, she was, no, she was about to explode. That happened in reverse, actually. Oh, she sorry. was about to explode. And Simone grabbed her because oh. Simone's a good fucking friend. Uh. Simone was like, all right, let's go get some punch. Yeah. <laughs> like pulls her apart, aside because she was like, Jessica. And then Simone grabs her because, yes, yeah, that bitch was about She's to, about to go, go off. nuclear. Yeah. She was about to go all the way off. Well, then Miguel has a little conversation with Charity and asks her if he, she had a good time, if she was scared of him. And she's like, no, I had a really good time, actually. And so it seems that Charity is not really afraid of Miguel anymore. It seems like that storyline that you hate is coming to an end. Thank the Lord. <laughs> praise, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Yep. I don't know the melody because I only ever sing the harmony. <laughs> <laughs> I've only ever sung the harmony for that shit. So, <laughs> yes, he's, this seems to be basically over and done with. They bring it up a little bit later, but this is done. Yeah, this is done. And Miguel is, is, it, uh, is so stupid. And so he thanks Kay for switching costumes. He again thinks that Kay is the mastermind of a completely different reality than is than he is living in. So he thinks everything was done to help him. So I made another note I thought about. I was on the train. I wrote it down. And at the end of the day, Jessica actually did Kay a big, big favor. Mm. She did. She did her a big favor. She saved her from herself. Yeah. She did. Because, again, what would have happened if her plan had worked out the way she thought it was going to work? Yeah. Even even her delusion aside, Miguel is not delusional with her you know what I mean like Miguel's not in on it with her right so he would be pissed he would be very upset yeah I suspect that he would have been convinced that she switched costumes and thought that he knew about it and you know what I mean like she would she would have wiggled out of it somehow and I think because he's not not so smart that he would have somehow been convinced that she isn't the bad guy even though she so clearly is yes all right Tabitha. 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 We're going to end with a fucking bang. Oh, the biggest bang of all. It's so good. (laughs) Okay, so remember, Tabitha is out some, oh, at the site of her witch burning, casting her spell, and there's flames on a pyre. Presumably, the children of the night are wailing, going, free us, free us, set us free. Coming, there's like these voices coming from this fire, right? And Timmy's like, Tabitha, what's going on with all these voices? Yeah. Who is that, Tabitha? And she says, the demons who will do my bidding. That's decent, Tabitha. Yeah. And she then sets about releasing them from the bowels of the earth, she says. <laughs> and then she goes, just wait and watch, Timmy. All hell is about to break loose. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Tabitha spends like two full episodes dancing around the fire. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> like, a ma- I, like a maniac. <laughs> I wrote that as well. she just spends these two episodes at this fire really doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like, like just da- like da- dancing around the fire. Yeah. I mean, it was hilarious. Oh, my God. It was I love excellent. It. it was excellent. So good. So Tabitha... <laughs> 
pulls out her final ingredient for this like spell because they found the the hexes and spells book and they're going to try and return her powers to her on this all hollows eve and uh so she can go about and create mayhem and she pulls out the final ingredient which is hair of rabid dog well it's three ingredients it's char- so she has a bag of charms mm-hmm. and there's three ingredients that she has to put in mm-hmm. and the first one is hair of rabbit dog right oh i thought that was the final one. no that's the first one the final oh. one you know who interrupts before she throws it in oh. just three different ones okay so the first one so so tabitha has this bag of charms she mm-hmm. calls them her charms and they're gonna help her conjure up the demons from hell the first one is the hair of rabbit dog and she goes demon powers hearken to me roam the earth and destroy my enemies and she throws that into the fire and then she says, tonight I will crush charity and grace and all my enemies in harmony. Who are all these enemies? I don't know. Who are all these enemies? I don't know. She's got like, she's so funny. She's got like beef with everybody and nobody has any fucking beef with her. <laughs> Except for Sam. Yeah. Because <laughs> he thinks she's weird. Yeah. But she has so much beef that nobody knows about. Yeah. And like, we didn't have a problem with you. What, what's the problem? But anyway. I love the little CGI firework explosion when they throw the, the fur, the hair into the, into the fire. The CGI in this entire scene this was excellent so she then takes out she then takes out another she says extra special charm and timmy asks her what they are he's like are those marbles and she goes the eyes of my ancestors who were burned alive in france i missed this entire i don't know how it was amazing i missed this entire part I somehow must have like, uh, oh, no. skipped something. You're you, telling me something that I did not watch. Well, listen up. Okay, I'm listen ready. Listen up. She takes out these eyes of her ancestors, and she throws them in the fire going, come to me, demons of fright, as she, and, um, she, <laughs> she throws the eyeballs on the pyre, and then fireballs with faces come out, and Tabitha exclaims, happy Halloween, my children. <laughs> you didn't see this? No. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, Laura. I, I, I'm going to put them all on the TikTok. I made it last night. I'm going to do it throughout the week. But I'll, yes, we, I'll, we'll, we'll go back and watch Send it. Send it to me. I'll put it on the, the Instagram and stuff. So hilarious. I somehow didn't, I, I like must have missed like a whole scene somehow. Oh, I think this episode, I like paused it and then came back and I must have somehow skipped part of this Maybe. Story. I don't know. I don't know. This was the best. I'm sorry that you missed this because oh. this was the best part. So it was the best part. I saw the demons. Oh my God, those stupid fucking demons. It almost looked like a children's finger painting where they just like put their hand on the wall and then smeared it. Yeah, and then put like little black dots in his eyes. It was, it was terrible. It was really terrible. I missed the conjuring. Yeah. Oh, it's it's wonderful. Keep going. Tell me more. So then at this point, Tabitha is surrounded by all of these fire demons and she says, give me the power to destroy charity. Meanwhile, Grace is sleeping on her couch in her living room next to her lit fireplace and she's dreaming of the Castleton fire and she's kind of uncomfortable. You can, she's moving around and in her sleep, she's saying, I won't let anything happen to charity faith. I promise I won't let anything happen to charity. So she's a little disturbed and she's being disturbed by what Tabitha's doing. Mm -hmm. And then we see Tabitha chanting demons of darkness, rise up in your might, destroy grace and her house on this Halloween night. (laughs) And this bitch is a pyromaniac. Like, are you really going to set another, yet another fucking fire oh. to somebody else's house? And so then these pyro demons, I started to call them because I didn't know what to call them. The, the demons. The pyro demons then burst into Grace's home as she's sleeping there and she's writhing around. She doesn't wake up, but they burst through her fireplace and they're just like hovering around. You, did you see any of this? I saw that part. Okay. There was, there was just like a, because the scene is constantly bouncing back and forth mm-hmm. between things. So I must have skipped that middle part that you were just telling me about. But I saw these little demons around Grace's like, house and they almost look like 
fish, but if you rotated them like 45 degrees, so their fins are underneath of them and they're like flapping, but they're yeah. like fiery. It was, it was weird. weird. It was not it was bad. It was pretty rough. It was very bad. <laughs> so she's writhing around and she's going, leave us alone, leave us alone. But she doesn't wake up. She does that charity thing, mm-hmm. right? And then back at the fire, Tabitha does a dance with the demon children. And I wrote, what the fuck is this? <laughs> She's like, dance with us, Timmy. And she like does this dance with the demon children. Yeah. Timmy and goes, Timmy thinks he'll sit this one out. Yeah. She says, she'll destroy grace and charity. And she, yeah, she says, I will destroy grace and charity so that Tabitha may rule again. What is, ta- what? I don't know. I need to know more about Tabitha's backstory. We need, we need more information because this bitch is nuts. Tabitha spends multiple episodes just spitting hot rhymes. Like that's what she did for two episodes. <laughs> I don't know if I'd call them hot rhymes. Well, they were fire. I think they were lukewarm at best. It was literal fire. She oh was my li- God. spitting literal fire. These rhymes. So Tabitha then, then says that her wish for Halloween night is to get her powers back because it's Halloween comes once a year and anything can happen. Basically. She then pulls out her final charm, which is just like animal parts. It's like, animal guts yeah i wrote this part down i said just as tabitha is about to throw the random animal part in the fire guess who shows up father lonigan <laughs> appears he <laughs> appears he just apparates he he just appears in the forest with tabitha and he <laughs> this was so funny he says stop i may have lost the gift of sight but my other senses are keen and then tabitha goes Oh, no, not you again. I laughed so hard. I cried real tears. I was, I rewound this so many times. It was so funny. The, the visual, the way it was visually directed looks so stupid. It looks so dumb. Because she kind of does like the silent movie turn and oh, yeah. with her hands above her head. It was exceptionally melodramatic. I loved it. It was hilarious. It was so good. It was hilarious. Not you again. And then. Father Lonigan pulls out the, I fucking forget what it's called, but the thing that they'll dip the holy water in and then fling like droplets on the congregation in church. It's that thing. Cause he had attacked her with it before and she was like steaming cause it was burning her. So he takes that out and he starts to subdue the flames on the pyre. Yeah. With the little sprinkles <laughs> with of the holy water, with sprinkles of holy water. And he puts it out. Yeah. He the goes, whole pie. This was a massive bonfire. Yeah. It was crazy. And he says, I will not allow you to prey on the innocent and the pure of heart. And he does the, the fire. He puts out the fire. He puts out the fire. And Tabitha yells, damn you. Tabitha and Timmy scurry away. And Father Lonigan yells, Father in heaven, send the wretched and the damned back where they came from. Strip them of the power they would use to wreak havoc. <laughs> so, so Timmy and Tabitha shuffle off to Buffalo. They get home. And Timmy's like, you know, maybe we can try again tomorrow. And Tabitha's like, there is one Halloween per year. Like, we cannot just try again tomorrow. She's like, we have to find another way to beat Father Lonigan. We need an ally, Tim Tim. And she's like, ah, yes. Grace Bennett's daughter, Kay. Yep, she's back over on the Kay Bennett side of things. The axis of evil. I also said that Father Lonigan and Tabitha are just yelling into opposite voids. Like, constantly (laughs) just yelling into opposite voids. Like, give me your power. You'll never take my power. So funny. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. Oh. So that's 87 and 88? 80, 86 and 87. 86. That's 86 and 87. That's the end of Halloween and Harmony. Oh, my goodness. It was quite the night. Although I did think it was going to be a little bit more dramatic with the Tabitha stuff. I wasn't expecting Father Lonigan to come in. I thought there was going to be a little bit more that happened. But it, we are very early in the series. Yeah. Yeah. So. Fa- yeah. Father Lonigan appearing from absolutely nowhere. And then putting out the entire bonfire. With a sprinkle. With a sprinkle of holy water. Oh, 
he just appears and it's always funny. <laughs> like every time he shows up, it's hilarious. It is. Because he's so unexpected. Because yeah. I forget that he exists. Yep. That's what it is. Because he's just sprinkled in there so randomly. I haven't seen him in 60 episodes. I forget about this motherfucker. And you're like, oh, Father Lonigan. And there he is. There you there are. There you are. Here you are to save the day. Yeah. Father, Father Lonigan. Love the guy. Gotta love him. <laughs> All right. So we're going to take a little break, but we'll be back with the other half of this episode very soon. Woo woo. <laughs> We're back from the break. 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 From the break. (laughs) (laughs) We're back. We're back. We're back. And now we're ready to jump right into episodes 88 through 90. This, these episodes were also really good. The first two episodes in the week were like kind of lighthearted. These were a little heavy. Ooh, they were, they were, they were heavy, but look. They were great. Excellent. They were excellent. So much great stuff happened we this week. We are really cooking. Like, passions. Look, I'm going to be honest. Because I didn't want to say it at the beginning. Uh-oh. But I'm going to say it. Say it. The first, like, 40 episodes of this show, I was like, why are we doing this podcast? <laughs> I was like, is this what a soap opera is? Like, I was like, I was like liking certain parts of it. And I was like, there's a lot of nothing going on. Like, this, there's a lot of a nothing burger that I've mm-hmm. bitten into. And I didn't really get it. And I didn't really understand why there were so many fans. And I was like, okay, just, just write it out, get through it. And a few people had mentioned that when they like wrote to us, they're like, you know, the beginning's a little slow. This is the longest day in harmony, blah, blah, blah. Man. Oh man. I get it. I'm starting to get it. Yeah. I can't say I get it because we're, you know, we're not even through the first season, but man, I'm starting to get it. Yeah. That faith and charity stuff really was a lot of drudgery. There was a lot of like, so I'm, I am in no way offended by that. Like, yeah. yeah, I I mean, I still enjoyed watching it and doing it, Mm -hmm. but also I had the added benefit of having seen it before and knowing who these people are and where it's going mm-hmm. you know so, yeah yeah I, but I totally understand that yeah. yeah and it makes sense to me that that one horrible review came out about the show because they had only seen that part and didn't stick around for mm-hmm. the good stuff yeah because we are in the shit we's in the shit now let's talk about let's get there so it. it's the next day in harmony after Halloween Tabitha has not been able to get her revenge on the town. These people are completely have no clue what they were about to be in for whatever it was. I mean, yeah. we don't know what they really were. About a harvesting to be in for, of souls, but they were in for something. She was about to wreak havoc on that fucking town. Father Lonigan saved them all. She- <laughs> Why won't he tell anyone? Why doesn't he speak about what's going on? Get harmony exercised. Like get some bishops in some cardinals. Like yeah. let's do some stuff. And also like, does he know who Tabitha is? I don't He's know. like, I can't see you, but he hears her voice. <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know anyway i don't know so Kyle Lonigan does not seem to be pulling his weight appropriately like he does some heavy shit and then does nothing about it well see that's what i remember i told you he's like a lot of help and no help at all yeah he really is he was really helpful last night but you know it would be a lot of help is telling people what happened last night <laughs> yeah. so that they have some kind of clue or some kind or at least have a heads up that there's like some evil in their town i'm really excited for these muggles to kind of wake <laughs> up and realize that there's magic around them. And like, I'm curious to see who's going to accept it first and like, be like, okay, yeah, this is the world we live in now. Grace. I feel like Grace. And then I feel like maybe Miguel, cause he's just so, he's really like spiritual. He's he spiritual so. and he kind of goes with the flow and he's like, okay, all the time to whatever. He like, also has already made little comments. Like maybe there's something to that, all that evil stuff. They, uh, mm. Charity's mom was talking about. He has yeah. said little comments like that. So maybe, yeah, maybe we shall see. We shall see. Luis will be the last one on board. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think Pilar will come on board very quickly. I think, uh, Eve, Luis, Julian and Ivy will be like the last group. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. All right. 
Should we talk about these episodes? Yes. Let's talk about these children. It's the next day in Harmony. November 1st in Harmony. <laughs> November 1st in Harmony. And the kids are at the book cafe doing kid stuff. And Charity talks to Whitney. Whitney's like on the computer. And she's like, Charity says, what are you doing? And Whitney's <laughs> like, oh, I'm on the internet um, doing something, getting something for school. And Charity's like, I've heard, I keep hearing about the internet at school, but I don't know what it is. She is so helpless. Simpering. So annoying. Simpering is the word. So utterly annoying. I don't know what the internet is. Um, I keep hearing about computers at school. Uh, before she talks with Whitney, I just want to bring up that Hank is at the book cafe and like is talking to Charity and says, hey, how's everything going? How are you feeling? And she goes, oh, I'm fine, Mr. Bennett. And he says to her, please call me Uncle Hank. Like I am your what your uncle's brother so I'm, like your family basically mm-hmm. and i was like why what is this like what's the point of this what's yeah, I, happening i don't know i didn't i, I remember that happening and i didn't even write it down because i was like this is not important hank i, I don't know it just was kind of creepy i don't know i don't know I, whatever it doesn't it's not important i was just like what the fuck is hank doing in this episode what is hank doing in any episode what's hank doing in harmony why is hank why is hank really here that was hopefully we get to the bottom we of that will. soon because remember the fbi is looking for him yes right like that was several episodes ago when yeah. we saw him on the, not the missing person's chat room, but the, <laughs> the, the FBI most wanted, list. most wanted thing <laughs> that he just like searched a name and assumed name yeah. and his, Alias. Pic, and his, and his headshot came up. It was like a full, yeah, his headshot. And there was like a full body shot. Yeah. Too. <laughs> a, his glamour shot came up. <laughs> but anyway, so sorry. They're, so, they're at the book cafe. I also was just like, how could Tabitha possibly be threatened by this fool of a girl? <laughs> right. She's a simpleton. She doesn't know how the internet works. She doesn't know anything, but Whitney is so nice and so patient and so lovely. And she like walks her through things and shows her how to work the computer and how to Google search. She's like, you type it in the search bar and then it shows you results. Yep. (laughs) She gives her a little internet tutorial. And then she goes, she, she goes, you know, Charity, how's everything going with Miguel? You know, he is a really nice guy. Like how, how, how'd you feel about the dance? And Charity's like, you know, I wasn't really scared of him. I was having a really nice time. I don't understand why I ever was frightened of him. Yeah. Meanwhile, Kay and Simone watch on and Kay is aggravated that Charity is no longer afraid of Miguel. And she begins to scheme to keep them apart again. She's like, you got to help me figure out how can I keep Charity from monopolizing Miguel, basically. Well, anyway, Simone again tells once again, tells Kay to give up on Miguel. These these sisters, Simone and Whitney, the Russell sisters are constantly just trying to talk some sense into their best friends and you know kind of trying to crush their dreams a little bit but but with reason trying to to get them in touch with reality yeah to reason with them and i love what simone said this time she got real with Kay, and she said "Kay, although you love miguel he has never loved you back Mm -hmm. and i was like yeah exactly exactly yeah precisely he is not yours he is not your property you don't have a claim on him he doesn't return these feelings to you but Kay says well are you going to give up on chad hmm and Simone's like, no. <laughs> and, and so Kay's like, well, don't ask me to give up on Miguel. He's my first love. He's my first love. Everything's so one-sided. Like, what about Miguel? Well, she's a psychopath. What about Miguel? Psychopaths have no empathy towards others and understand another person's side of anything. They look at people as pawns to move around on the chessboard and, like, please them. Kay is a stone-cold psychopath. Yeah. I believe it in to my core. A nut. A nut. Okay, so... Then Kay and Simone talk and Kay asks Simone to help her figure out a way to keep Charity from Miguel. And Simone says, look at Charity, because at this point she's at the computer by herself. Whitney has gone back to school because these children are free to just roam at any fucking time. 
they 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 talk about how they she was like yeah Whitney went back to school it's like shouldn't that if school's still open shouldn't that be where you are too yeah they're free range children yeah 100% but yeah so Kay uh basically is musing and she says you know I really can't leave Charity and Miguel alone for a second because she's not as scared of him my little uh plot point with the recording device is is finally being written out of the show thank god and Kay's like I have to keep an eye on them uh, to make sure that she doesn't have a memory breakthrough. Because if Charity has a memory breakthrough about Miguel, then I'm toast. Yeah. So her big plan now is to just be there all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, also, this was, I, I wrote this part down just because it is yet another just terrible K moment. She's so terrible. Where Simone says, look at Charity. She's there by herself. She seems to be having a fine time without Miguel. I don't think she wants to monopolize Miguel, like you say. And Kay says, any second now, she's going to start acting all helpless and using her amnesia to get Miguel's attention. Uh, it's like, I dislike Charity too, but not like this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, she, she's not using her amnesia to get anybody's attention. If anything, she's trying to like shrink. She's yeah. shrinking herself. Charity, and that's what frustrates me about her. Me too. She's a shrinking violet. Yeah. And I can't stand it. Yeah. So while Charity's at the computer by herself, something about the computer gives her, makes her have like a little flash of faith. A computer but she thinks it's grace right so she's she looks kind of confused miguel comes over and he's like here's the smoothie are you okay and she tells him she's like i think i remembered something but i just saw my aunt grace looking at me at a computer um and she was working on a computer and they they it takes them like so long but they work out that she <laughs> they work out that she had a memory of her mother miguel mm-hmm. like flat out says he's like oh didn't your mother used to work on computers and she was Grace, Grace Bennett's identical twin sister. So you must have been seeing your mother. It's like, okay, <laughs> all right. So he gets all excited because this is a sign that perhaps his beloved's memory is returning. And if she can remember her mom, then maybe one day she'll remember him too. And he goes in to hug her because he's very excited about all of this. And uh, Kay steps in between them, like steps right in between them and gives Charity a hug specifically to keep Miguel away from her. And then tells Simone, oh, this is a big moment. You know, why don't you take Charity to the bathroom so she can splash some cold water mm-hmm. on her face? So when Kay, Kay pushed Miguel out of the way, yeah. she pushed her way in front of him. Yes. He was going in and she saw that happening and she pushed her body in front of him and ha- hugged Charity and Miguel's face. Ooh. I was For a moment, I was like, is Miguel finally fucking getting it? I know. I know. For a brief shining moment, because he looked very upset. He was very mad. He was mad. He was hurt. He was, he was confused. confused. Always. He's usually confused. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, but his face, I was like, okay, maybe Miguel is sniffing out the truth here. Mm-hmm. And he actually uh, confronts Kay and says, why did you stop me from hugging Charity? Like, you, you did that intentionally, and I want to know why. Yeah, and then she says... Well, I did it for your own good because Charity's still a little afraid of you and she might have freaked out. What ha- what would happen if she freaked out? Do you want her to freak out? And then Miguel's like, oh, I guess you're such a good friend, Kay. I didn't even think about that. Look, oh, my God. This- it's it's so played out and they can't continue to do it. They can't. It makes Miguel look so dumb. And I, that can't be the only character trait about Miguel. He is very sweet, but he's dumber than a box of hair. <laughs> this boy. <laughs> so dumb. So, so Charity comes back to the comes back from the bathroom and she talks to Miguel about computers. She's like, I like computers, I think. And I, she, was like, she did. That's what she was saying. I like computers, I think. <laughs> like, I think I like computers. And I wanted, and then she's like, I wanted to talk to you about something, Miguel. And the thing she wanted to talk to him about was, and it was like she was trying to get his 
approval. I don't know what this was, but she was like, I was thinking about journaling on a computer. She wanted to start a Zanga. She (laughs) is what she wanted to do before. Yeah. Yeah. She wanted to start a Zanga. A live journal. Yeah. She wanted to like write in a journal, only type into a computer and put it online. Yeah. And she like asked what he thought about it. Yeah. She was like, I, I think that might help me remember some things. And he's like, that's a great idea. Yeah. Cool. Anything to help you bring back your memory. Yep. So, so maybe if she journals every day on a computer, she'll get her memory back. That's the plan now. I mean, as ridiculous as it seems, that's what they're setting up. So I guess it's going to help. It's not a, you know, it's not a terrible idea. Journaling is not a terrible idea. Yeah. It's not a terrible idea. Uh, Yeah. The computer, uh, I mean, it seems to have sparked something in her. And I think that's why she's like, I should do it on a computer because maybe then it'll, I'll have more memories. So I I guess I kind of get it. It's just a little silly. This episode to me, and we'll, we'll talk more about this later, but this episode to me with the kids, especially kind of feels like a room full of older people, like middle-aged people. (laughs) Yes. Who'd have no idea how to use computers. Who have no idea about music or computers or about being young, trying to do their best to be hip and cool. And it's a miss every time. Every fucking time. Absolutely. So while the kids are doing their thing at the book cafe, yeah. Sam is picking up his, his morning coffee and he gets a phone call from Monsieur Mayer. Monsieur Mayer. I don't, I wish I knew the next line. <laughs> we see each other plain. Wow. That's like the lowest note of all time. Girl, I, my, vo- my voice is so low this morning. All right. Each other so yeah, Sam gets a, a phone call from the mayor and telling him that um, he told Julian about last night and that Julian wants to talk to him and Luis now. Mm. Get your ass to the Crane Mansion. So he heads over to the Lopez Fitzgerald. Oh, what? wait, sorry. While Sam is taking this call, Chad is behind the counter at the book cafe? Yes. So does he work at the book cafe and the school? Yes. Okay, that's all. Yeah. I was just like, what is Chad doing here? Chad, Chad works at the book cafe and the school. I think he just get, works part-time wherever he can get some work. Oh, okay. Because Sam is nice and he tells Chad, you know, I heard you're in town looking for your folks. Like, if you need help finding anything about your family, like, come down to the police station and I'll help you. So, yeah. yeah, I love Sam. 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 Look, we stand Sam. I love Sam. I stand Sam. He's so great. All right. So, Sam heads over to the Lopez Fitzgerald home to pick up Luis to take, them, to take him over to the Crane Mansion. So, let's go over there and see what's happening at this home first let's talk about Teresa okay Teresa and Whitney are at are in the kitchen at this house right yes Teresa is is remembering her what she thinks is a lovely evening with Ethan where she shoved and locked Gwen well she didn't shove but locked Gwen into a closet and and Whitney's like girl you ought to be careful like what are you doing because Whitney knows that Gwen is onto Teresa mm-hmm. and that Gwen has power and money and that if Gwen wants to ruin Teresa's life, she can. Mm-hmm. And Teresa won't hear it, of course. It's destiny, it's fate, blah, 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 blah. The same old, same old, same old. Ethan feels the same way, which he does. And when he <laughs> says, look, you're going to marry Ethan Crane over Ivy's dead body. Yep. And, you know, Whitney says to Teresa, Gwen is going to land on you with both feet. I just loved that line. Mm. I just love that. She's going to land on you. You think she's going to give up her man without a fight? Mm-hmm. She's not. She's going to land on you with both feet, and she's going to use all of her power and influence. And Teresa says, well, she might have money and influence on her side, but I have fate on my side. No? Okay. Okay, Teresa. All right. And then she just, oh, my God. Then she justifies locking Gwen in that closet by saying, when an opportunity presents itself, you take it. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't you ever had an irrational, totally unrealistic, passionate feeling about anything? Because that's how I feel about Ethan. Yeah, and then they, they have this back and forth about Ethan. Whitney saying, give it up. Teresa saying, I know it's irrational, and I know it's re- unrealistic, but I'm passionate about him, and I love him, blah, blah, blah. They do this whole rigmarole, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whitney also brings up Luis as a huge barrier 
for Teresa to Ethan. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. She says, you know what Luis's reaction is going to be if, and when he finds out what is going on with Ethan, like this is not sustainable. Cut the shit out, girl. Yeah. Like stop. And then Luis enters who has not heard any of this conversation. Luis never hears any conversation he should hear. Never. <laughs> he never hears. Never any not one time. Maybe so, Luis is hard of hearing. I was about to say, I think he might need a hearing aid. Too much time at the shooting range. Right. Not wearing, not the, wearing the, protective. the protective gear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he enters and basically just tells Teresa, if she goes near the cranes again, he'll send her to a convent school. Also, and- I've heard we'll send you away for school and we'll send you to the convent. But he just, he like doubled down. He's like, I'm going to send you to a convent and a school. A convent <laughs> school. What is a convent school? I, a place where they teach you to be a nun. Isn't that just a convent? Do they have the money to send her away? Maybe he, maybe he means a Catholic oh. girl school that's he, like a boarding school. He also said a convent school in mom's old country. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so he's going to send her out of the country <laughs> to the old country. I forgot to say that. I didn't even hear that yeah. part. I he, missed that. He said, I'm going to send you to a convent school in the old country behind 50 foot walls. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I didn't hear that. Where does he get off with this too? He's not her dad. That's what I, that's what I said and later on in my notes. I talk about he, how, like, what is your authority here, sir? Yeah. Where, how, you are not Martin Fitzgerald. And I know you're he, not my daddy. I know he has stepped into this kind of head of household role, which I don't, I don't, I'm not going to judge Pilar and her situation at all, but I do think it's, it's odd, but I guess he is bringing in money and helping to pay for things. So like, yeah, I, and I mean, know. he's a grown man. And he's a grown man. It's but. different than if he was like a teenager, but at the same time that he needs to know what his fucking boundary is and yeah. what his limit is. And I, all I can say is at my house that that shit would not fly. Like no. if my brother was walking around at my mom's house, telling all of us what we were going to do, right. it just wouldn't fly. Yeah. Even if you are paying bills up in here, because you are not the authority here. Like yeah. you, you might have some say in a lot of things and some sway over a lot of things, but you don't get to tell anyone what they can and can't do with their children. Right. Right. Like Teresa's not your child. She's Pilar's child. Yeah. And if, I just don't think Pilar would even go for it. So Teresa shouldn't be too worried because I really don't think Pilar would go for it. No, I don't think so. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I I was going to say I don't think so, but then I was like, maybe she would because Paloma's gone. Well, I don't know the story behind that. Yeah, yeah. I don't yet. But anyway, so the girls are like, you know, what's going on, Luis? Like, you seem like you're a little irritable today. And he tells them that Sheridan made him look bad in front of the mayor last night. And then she tried to fix things, but she ended up making it worse, which is not really true. And then the girls ask how how any of that happened and he couldn't really give them an answer because it didn't really happen. Like he made it bad and wouldn't let Sheridan speak. And then she stepped in and fixed the problem and found a solution. So he's kind of twisting stuff in his own head here. Yeah. Well then Luis leaves and Whitney and Teresa continue that same back and forth. Who cares? Honestly. But then Whitney, but then Whitney does start to talk about herself and says that she feels like she's been missing out on a lot of things in life. And maybe she does want to start dating boys. And she, you know, she really, shares her feelings with Teresa and Teresa's a good friend and tells her, you know, if you're feeling like this, you really have to tell your dad. She's yeah. like, I can't help you. The only way you can fix this is if you share the way you're feeling with your dad. Yeah. And she convinces her to do, Teresa's such a good friend too. She they, is. These two girls are good friends. Unlike Kay and Simone yeah. where Simone's a good friend to Kay, but Kay is just all about herself. Yeah. Whitney is a good friend to Teresa and vice versa because Teresa says, you know, she hears what she's saying. She listens first of all. And she, she says, it's important that you have things outside of tennis And that if you're feeling this way, you have to tell your dad, because if I didn't know, your family probably doesn't know how you're feeling. Yeah. You know, she's like, so she encourages her to go talk to TC. Yeah. She gives her good advice. Unlike Kay. She's like, I'm your best friend. And I didn't know you felt this way. Yeah. She needs to tell people. She gives her good advice. And she seems like she genuinely cares. I feel like when Simone tries to talk to Kay, Kay is like begrudgingly listens. Yeah. Kay kind of does what she has to do to get Simone off her back so that then she can talk about herself some more. Yeah. 
Um, so Teresa at this point heads off to the crane mansion mm-hmm. and she's like, it's the last place Luis would ever be. So I'm going to go over to the crane mansion. And then Whitney goes off to school to go talk to TC. Yes. And Sam comes, comes over to the Lopez Fitzgerald home, gets Luis and Luis is like, what are you doing here? And he's like, we got to go to the crane mansion. And he's like, what? Why? And I'm thinking the same thing because no, neither of them have done anything wrong. But Sam says Julian's not, not too happy about what happened last night. It's like, why? Nobody, neither of you did anything wrong. Yeah. Nothing at all. So let's go over there and talk about this shit because this shit was so fucking crazy. So Julian's morning starts off with uh, him hiding in his man cave slash study slash library and uh, Ivy coming in to have a conversation with him about being a fucking perv because she's tired of it. And she, uh, she walks in and kind of gloats because She's pleased that Gwen spent the night with Ethan because mm-hmm. Julian was pushing for Teresa to spend the night with Ethan because he's, like I said, a fucking perv. And uh, Ivy walks in and says, look, your evil ways haven't taken seed. My son is a good man. You need to stop encouraging him to screw around behind Gwen's back and uh, suggest that Teresa is only is a girl who's only good for one thing. Mm-hmm. She's like, knock it off. Get your shit together. I'm not going to let you ruin my son's future. Mm-hmm. So she, she comes in hot. And then Julian says, how dare you take that tone with me? He's like, he's like, who the fuck are you talking to? You must have fucking forgot where the fuck you were. <laughs> yeah. He really is not. He doesn't take it kindly. He doesn't take it well. He doesn't. And he, in fact, he doubles down on what he said mm-hmm. earlier. He says, Ethan is a young, red-blooded crane male who has every right to his share of women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he says some more. I literally just wrote. Julian says some predictably sleazy things about sleeping around. He just says a bunch of really sleazy shit for a while. He's so gross. And so then this was the interesting thing. Julian and Ivy start to talk a little bit more about their past. And we start to get little glimpses about the early days of their relationship. And he says, you know, I would like to know where you were on the first night of our honeymoon. Yeah. Well, he turns the tables because because she says, you need to stop encouraging Ethan to ignore fidelity and commitment. He says, oh, you're one to talk about commitment. You disappeared on our on the first night of our honeymoon. Mm-hmm. The fuck were you? Yeah. And then she turns it right back around and she says, oh, no, you don't, Julian. There's no way you're going to turn this around on me and make it seem like I'm the one who has made our marriage a living hellscape when you know full well what you have done to me and you know full well how badly you have treated me and that you ruined our marriage from the beginning from when we took our vowels. vowels." She says um, she accuses him of cursing the marriage. From yeah. the day they took their vows. And I'm like, that's an interesting way to put it. Like, what does that mean? And I might just be reading into it, but I, I don't know. There's something there. Yeah. There's, there's, there's two big events that yeah. we don't know about right now. Yes. But um, then she goes on to say, maybe I should tell the world about all the shit that you've put me through. Maybe I should tell the children just how much of a bastard their father is. And then she raises her hand and goes to slap him. She goes to strike him across the face and he like stops her and kind of grabs her hand. And so then they're like entwined with mm-hmm. each other and he's getting turned on by this. Oh yeah, he is. He's like, maybe I'll tell them a few things about their mother. And then they have like a weird erotic moment. they like embrace each other and they fucking kiss. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's trying to seduce her and she's like kind of resisting, but then they like kiss, but then it's also really weird. It made me very uncomfortable. It made me so uncomfortable. Like I couldn't really take notes on it. It was, it, it was, did you watch Big Little Lies? No, I read the book. Okay. Uh, so in the, in the, in the show, I read the book and I've seen the show. And so in the show, they give you a little bit more 
um, behind Celeste and her marriage and kind of how the violence Perry. and Perry and how the violence kind of lends itself to sexuality. Mm. I think it's kind of that duality of like pain and pleasure. Mm-hmm. And I know it will. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of feel like we're on the emotional side of that now with Julian and Ivy of like this pain versus pleasure kind of thing. Yeah. But at the end, she like insults him. This was great. No, no, no. This was great. Yeah, yeah. So, go for it. So they're like embracing each other in this steamy moment. He like, they kiss and then he's like, whispering into her ear and he says I've always wondered how you could go so long without a man to which Ivy retorts with a man like you it's easy yeah and Julian pulls away goes bitch he calls her a bitch and and he it honestly so so then um Ivy laughs she laughs (laughs) hysterically and she's like oh you're so easy (laughs) and um but honestly when I I had to rewind it and watch it again because I originally thought, and I, which I thought would have been better. I kind of enjoyed my original, what I thought happened, which was, I originally thought she said with a man like you, it's easy. And he laughed, pulled away and called her a bitch, but he did not laugh. He didn't like that at all. But it looked, I honestly think that that was a hard, I think they, I think there's a slight blooper there where he does kind of like laugh a little bit because I saw his, it looked like he smiled for half a second and Mm. then he pulls away and calls her a bitch. So I thought that they had like both had like this, like. She, he had been bested, but he was, it was funny. Cause it was funny to me. Made me laugh. No, it was funny to me too, but it, he didn't think no, so. No, he, no, he really meant bitch. Yeah. <laughs> he, he meant it in a the, bitch. He called his wife a bitch. He meant it in the worst way possible. Not wow. the way that I say it to my friends. Yeah. Yeah. No. Not when I'm like talking about Teresa, I'm like, and this bitch. Yeah. Not that way at all. No, not in the lovable way. No. No, no. In the. He called her a bitch cause he couldn't call her a cunt in, on TV. In the exhibit A in the, in divorce court kind of way. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. So yeah, he pulls away. And she's laughing at him and he goes, well, I'm trying to figure out what your weakness is and why you've been acting up lately. Yeah. You've been so riled up. So restless. What's what's happened that has caused this change in you? You're like a raw nerve. He said, "For, for years, you've accepted the rules of the game of our marriage. Why change now? And Ivy starts to say, you want to know? You really want to know? I'll tell you, Julian. I'll fucking tell you if you really want to know. And Pilar comes in. Oh, thank God for Pilar. She saves the day. Because Ivy was ready to burn her life to the fucking ground. Yep. Yep. Yeah. She was about to to raise the earth. She was going to set it on fire. Yes. My God. But Pilar comes in, interrupts, says, Mr. Crane, there's a phone call for you. And But before Julian leaves, he turns back to Ivy and he says, one more thing. Stop referring to Ethan as your son. He's my son, too. Yeah. Is he? No. Is he? No. Is he? Are, are you sure? No. He's definitely not his son. I'm very sure of that. Uh, yeah, no. Yeah. So there's that whole thing. And then uh, Pilar and Ivy go up to Ivy's room, and Ivy is crazed. Yeah. I, Ivy is like, I just want to wipe that smug smile off of his face. I want to hurt him. And Pilar is like counseling her at this point mm-hmm. and she's like look you cannot reveal the truth after all of these years she's like ivy don't burn everything down right now mm-hmm. you're you've almost crossed the finish line you've almost achieved your goal you've gotten away with it like let's just let's just get there let's, just let's do just this do the thing and ivy's like pilar do you remember sam from back then and then takes out that fucking locket takes out that locket because she's been wearing it around her neck but it's like it's, she's like trying to conceal it mm-hmm. down down the front of her her blouse yeah and then they talk about Sam for a little bit and Pilar says to her, you know, I'm really worried that someone, every time I see you with that locket, I'm really worried that someone's going to see that locket and figure out, figure everything out. She says, I really want you to put it away. And Ivy at first is like, 
you know, I wish I could go back and do it all over again. She's just like not even listening to Pilar yeah. and what Pilar's saying. And then Pilar says it again, like, you, no one can ever know. Really, I need you to put that locket away, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so P Pilar says, no one can ever know about your secret. And then Ethan walks in and he goes, what's this about a secret? And is it at this point that Ivy puts it in like her desk drawer? Because it's just an easy place to get rid of it. Yeah. And when, get, hide the evidence. Yeah. Okay. When um he came in, she put it in her, put it away. Okay. Because I was like making, oh. I was like making a note and then when I later in the scene it, it comes out of the desk and I was like what didn't she have it around her neck so I was like how did it get in the desk okay, yeah well. she put it away okay. listening to Pilar mm -hmm. she she in the course of their conversation she decides to put it away then Ethan comes in what's this about a secret Ooh. the one time anybody hears anything useful and it's Ethan <laughs> and it's still and it's not useful because he is an idiot oh this whole part oh my god and Ivy covers the whole thing by saying well first she goes how much did you hear <laughs> <laughs> I wrote that Ivy and Pilar do not cover well. Um, Ivy tries and she says, oh, it's a secret. You know, I'm planning a surprise for you and Gwen and I want to keep it a secret because a surprise will be ruined otherwise. Yes, it's, it's good enough for her dope of a son. <laughs> you know? Yes. So um, Pilar leaves and runs into, in, runs into Teresa in the hall and is like, what are you doing here? <laughs> you need to leave. It's not a good day for you to be here. <laughs> And Teresa's like, oh, I just need to get something from Ivy's computer before I go to school. And Pilar is like, get the fuck out of this house. Yeah. You cannot be here today. Today yeah. of all days. So back inside of Ivy's room, Ivy pressures Ethan into marrying Gwen again. She's just like, why don't you marry, marry Gwen, set the date right away, and I want you to move to Washington to start your political career a little earlier than what we had originally planned, but I think it might be what's best for you. And of course, he's such a mama's boy. He's like just going along with it. Like, Ugh, can you imagine Ethan in government? Oh, my God. Oh my God. Ugh. I can't imagine him selling shoes. I guess I could, I can imagine him in this today's government. Well, our current Senate, Ethan just does what he's told. Yeah. So I'm sure he'd be like a good paralegal yeah. or something. That's not the government though. Uh, paralegal. <laughs> oh, I guess he's a lawyer. He is a lawyer. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, he's in the right field kind of. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that That's funny? So funny to me? No, it's funny because he's a lawyer. I mean, like, I think he'd make a good paralegal. <laughs> man probably went to georgetown <laughs> probably i also thought it was interesting that they said uh Pilar, or ivy was like you should move to washington and at first i was like the state and then she started talking about a political career it's like oh dc it's like who calls washington dc washington who says yeah. i don't know i always call it dc well there's like that whole mr smith goes to washington Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just call it Washington. I, I it was odd. I generally, I rarely now hear people say like, "We're gonna go to Washington." You either say Washington D.C. or D.C. Yeah, yeah, because there is a Washington State. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, why would she send him to the opposite coast? And to then, Washington State, to of Washington all places. State, where it's just rainy and full of serial killers. And then, uh, yeah, no. And then she said, "Political career." It's like, ah, got it, got it. Um, and so then they start to talk about Ivy and Julian. He says, Ethan says. Does this have to do with you and father fighting? You've been hiding a lot of things from me lately. And he asks her, are you happy with father? Like, I, I'm just, since I've been home, I've been noticing some different things that I didn't know were going on. And she says, she, yes, I'm happy, but I want a better happiness for you and my other kids. And he's like, you're either happy or you aren't. Like, yeah. what's a better, what does better happiness mean? Yeah. You know, she, she, she should be in politics. That was a good workaround. I want a better happiness for you. Yeah. I mean, Ivy, Ivy would be a good politician, I think. Oh, my God, absolutely. She would get so much shit done. She steamrolls with charm. Ivy for president, period. Yeah, I, <laughs> Ivy for president. Period. She's so good. All right, so then what happens? So then 
Ethan. Wait, how? I don't know how we okay. got here. I have said something about Ethan defends his father. No. Okay. Yeah, you so better then, do this. Yeah, I am. <laughs> okay. So she wants a better happiness for him and her other kids. And then Ethan says, well, you know, I, I am proud of who I am. I'm proud of who I want, who, being a crane. But I'm never going to be the kind of man that father is. And Ju- and Ivy defends Julian, saying, uh, don't talk against your father. He's a wonderful man. <laughs> well, she forgot that Ethan doesn't know Sam is his father. And then. Which e- I, technically we don't know, but we know. We know. Well, yeah, we know. And. Then Ethan is shocked, saying, like, I've never heard you defend father. Oh, was that what it was? She, he said, is that what, was that the thought process of, don't, of her defending Julian? She wasn't defending Julian, she was defending Sam? Yeah. Oh, I didn't catch that. Oh, yeah, no, she was defending Sam. I didn't catch that. I, w- I wrote question marks yeah. behind, don't talk about against your father, he's a wonderful man, question mark. Like, yeah. what is, I was very confused about that. Yeah, because she's not, she's not thinking about Julian. Oh, okay, I didn't catch that, because I was confused by that, too. I was, you know what, I was as confused as Ethan was <laughs> in this moment. <laughs> so he's shocked, saying, I've never heard you defend father, and. Then Ivy says, just promise me you'll always be proud of who you are no matter what happens. Mm. And Ivy and Ethan have a conversation about him never being like Julian and how Ivy knows who Ethan is. And she leaves. And Ethan, she leaves the room. And Ethan immediately finds her fucking locket. He goes, oh, I'm wondering if she has stamps in her desk. And then, yeah, he's <laughs> looking for opens stamps. opens the desk door, immediately finds the locket. And then he starts to get into it. He's like he, trying he to open it. He can't like pry open the locket. He can't figure out how to open a fucking locket. It's like, it's like watching, like, it's like watching like a chimpanzee with like an etch-a-sketch. It's like, it was, it was so weird. You know, I worked at a zoo and we had chimpanzees. They were like our, the main event at our zoo. Uh-huh. And they are very, very smart, smarter than Ethan. <laughs> like really, really like they had to do different puzzles and different things for enrichment and stuff. And they can figure a lot of shit out. They, a chimp definitely could have gotten that lock, locket open. Well, Ethan couldn't. No. He even says, he says, this is harder to get into than Fort Knox. <laughs> He's so stupid. I guarantee it's not. I guarantee the locket is well, easier to get into than Fort fucking Knox. We've seen Ivy open it multiple times. Countless times. <laughs> with, <laughs> with grace and ease. Yeah. <laughs> How disappointed. How disappointed would you be to walk in on your son trying to open a locket and he just can't get it? Like his, your grown son, not like a child. Yeah. Your son who is a practicing lawyer <laughs> can't open a simple piece of jewelry. Oh, oh Ethan. Brother. Oh, yeah. I wrote, meanwhile, Ethan's trying to open the locket, but it's too stupid to do so. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So later, so he's in there trying to figure out how to open this locket. Pilar finds Ivy and tells her that Sam is meeting with Julian in the study and that she mustn't do anything that reveals her feelings for him. And Ivy has a flashback to Sam giving her the locket. Pilar tells her to listen to her mind and not her heart Mm -hmm. because if certain people found out, it could destroy their lives, meaning Ethan and Sam. And then they walk in and see Ethan prying open the fucking locket. Mm -hmm. And they have a ridiculous conversation where Ethan can't get the thing open and Ivy's trying to to cast suspicion away from what it, it really is. And she says... Oh, I, I've had this for years. It's a family heirloom. It's been here for generations. It's very fragile. You should put it down. And Ethan's like, oh, no, no, I'm going to get into it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to know what's in it. Don't you know? She's like, oh, I've never gotten it open. I don't know what's inside. It's, this was an annoying conversation. It was so stupid. It was stupid. All of what Laura just said is exactly what happened. And it was dumb. But the best part was at the very end of the scene, Ethan says, who knows? Maybe this picture inside is some long lost relative we had no idea we were related to. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows, Ethan? So 
Ivy's like, you can see her like having a heart attack. Like you can, she like turns white as a sheet. Yeah. You can see the panic rising. And luckily Gwen comes in to steal Ethan away for a Mm -hmm. minute and kind of saves Ivy from the situation. Well, this was annoying too. Gwen enters and asks to see Ethan alone. And Ethan says to, just tells Ivy, he just tells her, I'm going to keep this locket until I open it. In what world do you tell your mother what you are going to do with her stuff? Like this exchange would have gone very, very differently between me and my mother. Like the minute she walked in and saw me with her fucking shit, she'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like she would grab it out of my hand. Like even, even if it does make me suspicious, she wouldn't care. She's just like, this is mine. Leave it alone. But he's a crane man and he's entitled to whatever he wants. Whatever he he wants. Whatever he wants. Including opening his mother's locket. That was crazy. The way, the way he told her, oh mother, I'm just going to keep this. No. And so then she's like, I would rather you just give it over, please. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She's like, it's really important to me. And, um, insists that he leave it with her. And then he drops it and he leans down. And when he leans down to pick it up, he looks back up at her in disbelief. And he says, I can't believe it. And then it goes to commercial. (laughs) We get a little break and then we come back in slight little cliffhanger there. And it turns out he broke the chain. He broke the chain that the locket was on. How? I don't know. I don't know. Did he trip over it? I don't know. Did it get tangled up in his shoelaces? I mean, what the fuck? I don't know. Ethan is dumb. So dumb. All right. So let's go to Julian's office where Sam and Luis have shown up for their little talking to. Yes. So Sam and Luis have arrived at the Crane Mansion. They go see Julian in the library, the study. And there's no, there are no pleasantries. Like Julian walks in and immediately is on the bullshit. I want to know what the hell is going on with this man and my sister Sheridan. Why do you allow this officer to continually harass my family? Like, like guns blazing immediately. Yeah. And this, I was so confused. I, I, and I honestly am still a little bit confused because I, what I wrote was apparently the mayor thinks Luis dragged Sheridan into some nonsense. What did the mayor tell Julian a different story or did Julian just hear Luis's name and assume that it was some nonsense or assume that it was something bad? I don't, I don't know. Well, they didn't show us, you know, like all of a sudden Julian is flying off the handle, but they haven't told us why, because we didn't see the conversation that happened between him and the mayor. So I, I am guessing that Julian found out that there was an incident with Sheridan. Luis was involved and he just decided I'm tired of hearing this man's name wrapped up with anyone in my family. And remember Julian's been trying to get uh, Luis in trouble since the beginning of this show yeah. because he's had run-ins with Ethan, with Gwen, with, with Ivy and Julian. Uh, he was on the property again later at that incident where Teresa escaped in the back of his car. So like there, I think he's just like, this is a, a thorn in my shoe and I'm tired of it. So mm. let's just deal with it. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I really didn't understand why he was so mad. Right. Yeah. But um, Sam assures Julian that Luis is not a threat to his family and he has Luis step outside. He's like, just go out. Let me handle this. Let me talk to him. Cause Sam knows that if Luis gets to speak for himself, he's going to only make things fucking worse. He already started making things worse. It started, it started turning into an argument between Julian and Luis about nothing because Julian accuses him of having an irrational grudge against the cranes. And Luis says, well, they're definitely not on my top 10 list of favorite people. And so Sam is like, Luis, get out of the room. You're making it worse. It's just these two hotheads arguing. Yeah. So then Sam gives Sam gives Julian a little talking to after Luis leaves saying, I understand you wanting to protect your family, but Luis is not your enemy. He says it was a it was a simple misunderstanding. Just ask your sister, which that was my thing, too. Why is why isn't Sheridan in this room? And we know why misogyny. Yeah. But yeah, that it's so simple. It's so simple. This whole thing 
was pointless. There was no reason for any of this to happen. Yeah. Well, Julian treats his sister like a frail, useless nothing, uh, which I think kind of explains why she was that at the beginning of, of this show. Like mm. the first like 30 episodes was us shitting on Sheridan because she did suck. Yeah. You know, <laughs> she did. She did. She was a useless, frail nothing. But, but we're getting to we're getting Sheridan. To, we're going to get it. to Sheridan. So then Sam says, Louise is one of my officers and I can't have you attacking one of my officers. Then Julian says, well, as a member of the police commission, I'm giving you a direct order. Fire Luis Lopez Fitzgerald. He says, Julian says, I'm Julian Crane. Harmony is my town. And Sam comes back with, Harmony belongs to its citizens. And I was like, yes, civic engagement. Mm-hmm. Yes, go democracy. I was like, yes, vote Biden. Well, yeah, because well, <laughs> Julian, Julian's like, perhaps you've forgotten. Yeah. I'm Julian <laughs> Crane. Harmony's my town. Oh, my God. He says, I decide who our police department is lucky to have. Because um, Sam says, you know, Luis is one of the finest, and we're lucky to have him. Mm-hmm. And then Julian, who knows nothing about policing and is a scoundrel. Yeah. A scoundrel, and I'm sure a criminal. Yes. He's like, I, I choose who's lucky, who we're lucky to have on our police department. You're like, like shut the fuck up. And yeah, he, he, Sam, the town belongs to its citizens, which it does. What the it. fuck is wrong, wrong with Julian? He says that multiple times, too, yeah. that this is my town. This yeah. is my town. Also, what a weird flex to be like, this tiny little town, like Shit's Creek. You know yeah. what I mean? Like rolling <laughs> yeah. shit. Yeah. It's like, this is my town. It's like, mm, well, is that something to be super proud of? Yeah, it, Julian goes through this whole thing with Sam, basically trying to exert his authority and say, I own this town. And Sam's like, you don't own this town. It belongs to everybody. And then Julian's like, well, I'm on the police commission, so I'm your boss. And Sam's like, no, you're not my boss. Like, And Julian starts turning this into like basically blackmail. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, if you don't endorse... No, he says, if you don't do what I want you to do, I will not endorse you. Uh, so fall in line or else. And then Sam's like standing firm and Julian's like, and don't forget, I own the bank where you have a mortgage with your home. And sometimes paperwork can get messy and checks can go missing. And who knows what would happen? And you'd be stuck in, uh, tied up in court in litigation for years. So he's threatening his home, his job, his safety. Yeah. And Sam does not go for it. Go Sam. Go Sam. Go Sam. <laughs> Sam doesn't fucking go for it. And you knew Sam wasn't going to go for it. Sam like that, like, Julian used the wrong tactic on Sam. Yeah. Sam was never going to go for any of those threats. Like that's now not how he operates. And he would not be able to go home to beautiful upstanding grace and tell her that he like fired Luis Lopez Fitzgerald because Mm -hmm. Julian threatened him. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He wouldn't be able to hold his head up high, you know? And he, 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 he never would have been able to bring himself to do that. He would have quit before he did that. He never would have. And I, I loved that although Julian is yelling and Luis is yelling and tempers are, are hot and people are angry and Sam is surely very upset and pissed off about what is happening. He keeps a cool head. Mm-hmm. He speaks sternly and firmly, but he's not yelling. Mm-hmm. He's, he really, he handles this like a man. He's very self-possessed. <laughs> yes. He's very matter of fact. He's like, these are the fucking facts. Yeah. And we're going to stick to that. And I, that's how I'm going to make my decisions based on facts, not yeah. based on how you feel. And doing the right thing. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to defend the right people. And I'm going to do the thing that that is reasonable. And here's the thing. A lot of people, I think part of the reason I like how he handled it is because we have this idea of like masculinity equals machismo. And it's like, no, no. Like Sam is the only person in this situation who's acting like a, a grown ass mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. So now. Let's talk about Luis outside of the office while all of this is going on. Yeah. So Luis is waiting outside of Julian's office at the Crane Mansion. And we see Teresa, who has no clue that Luis is there. And she's coming down the stairs. And he's standing to the side of the stairs. And he doesn't see her. She doesn't see him initially. Right? 
And then Teresa sees Luis before he sees her and she tries to hide. But meanwhile, Gwen and Sheridan walk through the door at this exact moment. Yeah. Gwen sees Teresa first and just stands there. Like she's like, I think I'm gonna let this play out. Like, yeah. But then Sheridan sees Teresa, looks at Gwen like, what are you doing? You know that she's going to get in trouble. And she makes a beeline to Luis and is like, hey, what are you doing here? And kind of distracts him so that Teresa can make her escape. Yeah. So Sheridan talk, get, talks to Luis, says, what the fuck is he doing there? And he's basically like, it's none of your business. It's police business. And she's like, I got to go talk to Gwen, but I'll be back. Don't you go anywhere. So <laughs> then she pulls Gwen aside and she chastises her. She's like, she gives her a little talking to for almost letting Luis catch Teresa. She's like, you wanted Luis to catch Teresa. You wanted her to get in trouble. And then Gwen just says, oh, I know. I hate this jealous person that I've become, but it's because of Teresa. It's also important to note that Teresa saw Gwen see her. Teresa saw what Gwen did, and mm. now it's really game on, bitch. Like, mm. it's really about to be game on. Because up until this point, Gwen had done nothing to Teresa, and she was locking her in closets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. And now she has seen what that Gwen wanted her to get caught, knowing that Teresa would be in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Oh, oh I, I, I'm worried for Gwen, honestly. Worried for her. Worried mm. sick. Not really. I don't care. Nah, I'm excited. I want to see evil Gwen. Eh, she's, yeah, eh, we'll see. I just want to see somebody go toe-to-toe with Teresa. Okay. <laughs> like, I, I, look, the way I feel about it, nobody... Can, nobody can really go toe-to-toe with Teresa except for Ivy. Mm-hmm. So Sheridan is talking with Gwen. And what does she tell Gwen? She tells her, pay attention to Ethan. Stop thinking about Teresa. Focus in on Ethan. The look in his eyes will tell you everything you need to know about his love for you. Like, go find him. Go pay attention to him. Go love on him. And, like, stop thinking about Teresa. She is not the, the Lopez Fitzgerald you need to worry about. This motherfucker is. Mm-hmm. So, then she goes, so then she goes into the next room to pester Luis, yeah. basically. She's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> and he doesn't want to tell her at first, but eventually he gives up the goods. Yeah, well, because she's like, let me guess. Uh, were some of the cranes jaywalking? Are you here to give us tickets for littering? <laughs> And uh, he tells her that Julian summoned both him and Sam to the mansion. And it's her fault. And she's like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. I didn't know any of this. And then she gets really mad. She's like, how dare Julian override a decision that I have already made? And she goes into the lion's den. And this was my fa- like the my There was a couple of really good moments with Sheridan. But one of my favorites was right before she goes in, she says, I'm going to go in and take care of this. She decides she's going to go crash Julian's little talk with Sam. And Luis tells her to back off and leave it alone. He says, I'll take whatever punishment is dished out to me. And Sheridan says to him, everything is not about you. This isn't about you anymore. It's about me. And how dare Julian override something that I already made a decision on. And I'm going to go set him straight. And she does. She goes right in there. Look, Jessica was the hero of the previous day. Sheridan gets the gold star for today. I'm giving Sher- Sheridan's MVP, but let's yeah. get to it. Let's- Sheridan Sheridan goes into the library and uh, <laughs> and gives Julian a real spanking. She walks in and just like, just as Julian is yelling at Sam that Louise has to be fired. And she walks in and says, Chief Bennett isn't going to fire anyone, Julian, and I'm going to make sure of it. Mm-hmm. Like she marches in and she's like, this is my thesis statement. My- and prepare for my supporting argument. All oh, shit. It's going down. It's so good. She insists. She's like, I have every right to be in this room. I have every right to be a part of this conversation. I can't believe you're interfering mm-hmm. with what I have already done, where you have no business being. 
And um, he tries to order her to leave the room. He says, I'm ordering you to leave right now. But Sheridan smiles. She smiles at him and says, I bet you wish I would just disappear, don't you? You wish I had never come back. And he says, that's enough. But Sheridan persists. Yeah. Yes, she does. She persists like Elizabeth Warren. Correct. Okay. She keeps going. She says, oh, I, I'm not going any fucking where. And tells him that just because he's the firstborn son and that she's a woman, he doesn't get to overrule her and override and make decisions for her. And Luis overhears this. Yes. And he's looking smiling. rather impressed. He's yeah. smiling about he's it. He's looking rather impressed. And because, But she goes on. Because Sheridan says that the... Uh, the rule, the unspoken rule in the crane house is that the firstborn male gets to rule over everything, is the ruler of the roost, right? And that's just how it has to be. And she says, I'm sick of it. She's like, you shuffled me off to Europe as a child, or father shuffled me off to Europe as a child, and then you left me there. You watched me be in Paris for years. I've just been like roaming around the continent, and it's been easy for you to, to be in charge over here. She's like, but I'm not having it anymore. Like, I, I have a mind. I have a brain. I have a right to speak. The, my truth mm-hmm. and this is not about you just like she said to julian this isn't about you mm. this is about me and i will handle my own shit thank you very much yep and sheridan goes goes on to apologize to sam for julian's overreaction and lays into julian about his actions and how he's treated Luis and sam mm-hmm. um and she tells julian she says the entire incident was my fault and then julian says uh, you know, that he's disappointed that Sheridan has allied herself against the family and that I'm sure father will be equally as disappointed. And he thinks, he thinks that's going to make her back down. Like he, she kind of, and it does make her stop. Like it does give her pause for Mm -hmm. half a second. But then Sheridan says, I'm not afraid of that motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not afraid of Alistair. Sheridan says, I'm not afraid of what father would say. And he should be proud that I'm standing in the way of an innocent man getting fired, to which Julian scoffs. He laughs at it. He's like, oh, yeah, like you clear, obvious, don't obviously do not really know our father, mm. but she does. She does. Uh, and she tells Julian that she's had enough. If he doesn't step down, she's going to take the story to the media. And this is the thing that puts the fear of God in Julian. Mm-hmm. Finally. She, she says, now who struck a nerve, Julian? Because yes. <laughs> he said that to her when he said something about Alistair. He's like, hmm, struck a nerve, did I? Did dear <laughs> father's name, the, dear, the mere mention of father strike a nerve with you? And I love that Sam watched the whole thing. Yeah, because what just, was he supposed to he do? He was just like standing there like, okay. He watched these two cranes go head to head. <laughs> I loved it. It was wonderful. I wish yeah. I had had a front. I guess I did have a front row seat. Um, So then... Julian calls Ethan, and I didn't understand why he called him at this exact moment. I think that Julian was like, I've had enough of this. I need to make sure that there's some oversight, and he's trying to control Ethan. And on top of it, Ivy has told Julian that she wants Ethan to go to Washington, D.C., and he is tired of of Ivy's control over Ethan. He's like, ah, I can install him in a position I once had, which will make sure that I can watch Sam. I have an eye on Sam, but also I get to have an eye on my son. Okay, two birds, one stone. Two birds, one stone. So he calls Ethan down. Uh, Yeah, but before Ethan comes down, Sheridan Sheridan doubles down on her threat. She's like, again, I will 100% go to the media. And Julian backs down. He backs down. Mm -hmm. Sheridan and Sheridan leaves. She's very proud of herself. And honestly, I'm super proud of her too. Me too. I was majorly proud of her. This was an amazing moment. I was, 
I was just like, go Sheridan, go girl. Well, I think we've been like slowly marching towards this and mm-hmm. she's always kind of missed the mark in one way or another. So it's like, come on girl, like get there. Mm-hmm. And she finally is like, okay, this is the Sheridan that she wants to be and that we want her to be. Like she's coming into her own and it took her long enough, but we're getting there. And to see it, to finally see it, to see this Sheridan versus the Sheridan she has been all the way up to this point was so refreshing. Yeah. It really was. It's like, thank you. Thank you. So I, like you said, MVP. Yeah. MVP. She MVP. is the, she is the MVP. And we're not done with her and yet. And this is just the beginning. Yeah, we're not done with her yet. So Julian, he's sitting there um, in his office looking real pathetic and pitiful. He's sulking, but he tells Sam that he insists that Luis stays away from Sheridan from now on. And Sam's like, I don't think that'll be a problem. <laughs> and then he says again that Harmony is his town and he will do what he pleases with it. Yep. I uh, I don't okay Julian Julian shit was really heavy this episode all feel, of it I, all of it I feel like Julian shit has been heavy forever like he was kind of goofy at first with like the maid stuff mm-hmm. which is is whatever it was gross but like it's been really heavy and really nasty and really disgusting every time every time he comes on screen it's just like what horrible thing is gonna fall yeah. out of your mouth today yeah so Sam and and Sheridan leave the office at this point. And tell and she tells Luis the good news about what happened in there. And Luis says, Oh, what? You did the right thing and now you want to meddle? Like Luis, you can't even say thank you. Would it kill you to to be reasonable and say thank you? Because Sheridan just went to bat for you in a really big way. And you should be grateful. Yeah. 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 He he it's his pride. He's having a hard time saying thank you to a crane. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's because she's a crane. It's not about it's not even about Sheridan. It's about her last name. Well, pride goeth before a fall. Mm-hmm. We all know this. So And Sam is watching this exchange between the two of them. Because he Yeah, that is what happened. Yeah. He sees Luis being really hard on her for no reason. And so Sheridan walks away from this because she's like, I'm not gonna do this with you. Like I'm riding my high. Well, he does admit to her that he was impressed with how she handled Julian. Mm. So there I mean, there's some light there. There's some light. There's some light there. He says, I have to admit, I was pretty impressed with how you handled your brother. Um, but he says that she, if she had just been at the youth center where she was supposed to be, then none of this would have happened in the first place, which is true, which is true, but, but it's what's also, done is done. It's unhelpful. Exactly. Yeah. Shoulda, woulda, coulda doesn't matter right now. It's like, you have to deal with what's happening. And she just dealt with it. Yeah. And she says, fine, next time I'll just stay out of it. And Louise says, great. And while you're at it, stay out of my life. And that, yeah. And then, and Sam, then Sam comes up to Louise cause he has seen this exchange and says, would it have killed you to say thank you? Mm-hmm. Like, come on. And then Sam starts to go and then sees Louise leaving another way. He's like, what the fuck are you doing, man? And Louise is like, well, if my mom has to enter and leave through the back door, I assume I should also, I can't use the front entrance either. And so he starts to go out the back way. So but actually before Louise, I mean, before Louise leaves, he tells Sam, cause Sam's trying to get him to apologize or say thank you to Sheridan. He says, I'm not thanking her, thanking her for what? He's like, I'm not thanking any of the cranes until I find out or get some answers about my father's disappearance. So that, so that all of this is really about Luis and his dad, which look is fully reasonable. He, he thinks they did something to his father. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, when you really start to think about it, like when I think about it, and we know that Sheridan had nothing to do with it, but his dad's been gone for years. Mm-hmm. And he thinks they did something to his dad. So, yeah, they, they he says he's not going to talk uh, to thank any of these cranes until he gets some answers about his father's disappearance. And Sam says, and I felt like this was really insensitive. Sam was like, that was years ago. He, like, cuts him off a little bit. And he's like, that was years It's like, yeah, but, like, you don't forget your dad disappearing. And yeah. especially if you think that these people had something to do with it. I don't know. I just thought it was a little. Had something to do with it and then got away with it. Yeah, I just thought it was a little weird this exchange and but then sam just gives up on trying to get Luis to thank sheridan and he tells him just <laughs> he says 
from now on, you just have to avoid Sheridan um, once her community service is over. To which, re- to which Luis replies, man, what a blow. <laughs> what a blow. <laughs> what a blow. So then he, yeah, he leaves out the back way because that's the way that his mom has to come in and yep. out. Like he's making a point, but it's to himself. He's proving a point to himself. Yeah. He's not whatever. So as Sam leaves to go out the front entrance, uh, Julian comes out uh, and grabs him. And this is when Ethan comes down the stairs uh, because Julian has called him down. And fucking Julian is like, look, I want you, Ethan, to act as a liaison between the police department and Crane Industries. And Ethan's like, okay, that sounds great. And Sam doesn't really say anything at all. And um, well, because what can he say? Yeah. It's not like it's not like he has any say over any of that. Yeah. It's all on the crane side of things. Yeah. So the whole the whole point of this is that now Ethan and Sam, who have been intentionally kept apart as much as possible by Ivy, are now going to be working very closely together. And she comes down the stairs just as this exchange happens and sees that Ethan and uh, Sam are going to be spending all this time together. And passes out. Well, she, she has like a, she, she has an episode. Her, yeah, she clutches her chest. Yeah. I thought she had a heart attack. Like, that was like the vapors. Oh my God. She falls. Yeah. And um, Sam and Ethan rush to her, right? Julian just stands there. Julian stands back with his hands in his pockets. I, I don't know. That was very telling to me. He's just standing there with his hands in his pockets. He's like, what's wrong with her? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, she fainted. And he's like, I've never known my wife to faint. And then Sam picks her up and carries her into the study and lays her down on the sofa. And then Ethan and Julian go to get some ice and some brandy. Yeah. Can we talk about this? What the fuck? I don't know. Ice and brandy. Why didn't anyone call an ambulance? I, she looked like she was having a heart attack. Yeah, she did. She like clutched her pearls basically. Yeah. I was like, why, why, why aren't we calling a medical professional? Call Eve. She was just at the house the other day. Call an ambulance. Do something. It was, it, yeah, it was, it was strange. But, uh, so, Sam is left alone with Ivy to keep an eye on her while someone grabs ice, someone comes, grabs Brandy. And she starts to come too, but her bell was really rung. And so we see briefly, we see uh, through the camera, Sam, as she sees him, and she sees him as like 70s, we're in love, Sam. Mm-hmm. And like she, she's just, she's not, she's not in our reality at this point. And she reaches up to him and like tenderly touches his face and says, oh, Sam, I'm so glad you're here. I just love you so much. And she starts stroking his face and he's like, oh my God, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like she's so out of it. And uh, she's like, why do you look that way? Like we've been having a lovely, a lovely picnic. Did I fall off my horse? And I'm like, what are you talking she's about? She's all Ivy? discombobulated. So, so backwards. And so then we get a flashback and I was like, okay, this is what she's talking about. And it's these two young lovers, Ivy and Sam having a picnic out in a field, to, uh, professing their undying love for each other. Oh, yeah. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. And so we almost, we have a little scare because Julian and, Ethan aren't in the room yet, but they're on their way back. And Sam is like, hey, Ivy, no, you got, hey, you are confused. We are at the Crane Mansion where you live with your husband, Julian Crane, and your son, Ethan Crane. You, we are not, like, you, shut up, shut up, shut yeah. up. <laughs> he's like, shut up. As they come back, he's like, be quiet, just be quiet. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, he literally is like, they don't know anything about that. And you just please stay quiet. Let's just be quiet. Just shut the fuck just up. Just don't talk. Oh, but they come back and, and um, Ivy does come around yeah like she, they she come back there. and she kind of sees them and she realizes oh <laughs> this is my life <laughs> oh, and she has a moment so she comes back around and she says that she fainted because she hadn't eaten that morning and whatever we're gonna speed on through that mm-hmm. ethan and sam walk out to talk about ethan's new role or whatever and ivy and julian are left alone again 
And Julian fixes himself a drink with that ice. He's like, well, might as well. Like, I don't want this ice to go to waste. Yeah. He actually asks if anybody else wants a yeah, drink. Yeah, he does. <laughs> and Sam's like, uh, I like, gotta go do my job. Not the time. Yeah. <laughs> Not the time, my dude. Yeah. So he fixes him a drink, uh, himself a drink. And then he, then he starts asking her all these questions. He's like, what was that little melodrama all about? Why did you faint? What's really going on here? Why aren't you telling me? He, I mean, he asks all of those questions quickly, doesn't give her time to answer. And he goes, you're hiding something from me. And then they have this back and forth. What is, how does Ivy reply? Well, she tells him to stop being suspicious because it's not attractive. And he says, I wasn't aware you found anything attractive about me. And she says, I don't. <laughs> she's like, but it's less so. <laughs> yeah. And then she's like, what's all this about Ethan working with Sam? Mm-hmm. And he explains basically what we talked about before and why he wants Ethan to work as the liaison for the crane so so that he doesn't have to talk to Sam and yep. but also he can keep an eye on Sam and yep. in the police department. Yep. Um and Ivy tries to object. Like she tries to because she wants him to go to Washington and he's like, "No, I'm putting my foot down. He's staying here. I want him to get more involved in local politics and he's not going to let Ethan go basically." And she tries to object, but Julian really puts his foot down, overrules her, period. He says, "Ethan is a crane." And he's my son, and he will do what I say. Mm-hmm. Ugh. So Julian leaves, and Pilar comes in to talk to Ivy, and Ivy tells her everything that happened with Julian, and Pilar says that she's worried that the truth will come out, and Ivy says, it's too late. I have to tell Sam the truth myself. And she leaves to go after him. Quickly. She just she has decided. She runs after mm-hmm. Sam. She goes to catch up with Sam. I gotta go talk to Sam. Yep. Oh, boy. So what should we say? What should we go to next? Uh, I think we should... Go back to Luis, where he's leaving out the back door. Okay. Yes. Let's that, go back to yeah. Luis. Yes. Okay. Luis is leaving the mansion, and who should he run into? Um, his little sister Teresa. He runs into Teresa on the grounds of the Crane Mansion, and he, of course, is not happy to see her there. What What does he say? Well, he accuses her of sneaking around the property so she could cl- catch a glimpse of Ethan, and he he won't let her speak. This is the thing. She keeps trying to speak and keeps trying to get a word in, and he just bowls over her. he really flies off the handle yeah, yeah yeah he really yeah he really goes off on this girl and he's like i'm gonna follow through with my threat of sending you away to a convent school and and sheridan at this point is like i don't how is this happening she's like overhears what's going on yeah she's so standing she at that, in, in that doorway that he just came out of uh-huh. she, i think she was about to find him i don't know but she happens to see this whole thing happening and she's listening and she steps in and she um introduces herself to Teresa. And says, you know, I'm Sheridan Crane. Thank you so much for bringing my blouse for me to the house today. And she saves Teresa. Yeah, she says that Pilar had taken her her blouse home to mend it, and and Teresa brought it by today because Pilar had left it at home. Yeah, Sheridan really covers for Teresa, and Teresa plays along like a champ. Yeah. She's like, oh yeah, of course, no problem. It's so it's this is the perfect timing. I could bring it right before I go off to school. She's a smart cookie. <laughs> yeah, she is. She's a smart cookie. And she, and then Luis apologizes to Teresa as he should. Yes, absolutely. He Luis was in the wrong basically this entire. The, the, I don't know, this entire week. No, he wasn't in the wrong when she pied him in the face. No, but his reaction and everything that followed yeah. was. So the fir- Okay, so the first five minutes that we saw Luis on camera, uh, he his, was okay. Uh, his reaction wasn't wrong either. He was mad. Uh, he was right up until the point where he wouldn't let her explain what happened yeah yeah i mean and that's when we and that's when i'm like come on man this is so stupid yeah and that and his response to all of that has been wrong yeah and he's taking it out on Teresa, but at least he apologizes to yeah her. he apologizes to her he says i'm just having a bad day and then Teresa heads off to school She's yeah. Like, yeah i'm gonna go to school now 
Um, and so then Luis and Sheridan talk, and Sheridan says, you were a little hard on your sister, don't you think? And he tells her to butt out, and he's just trying to protect his family from the cranes. And she's like, why do you hate the cranes so much? She's really confused about this. She's like, yeah. why do you hate my family so much? I demand to know what has my family done to you? And she keeps pressing and pressing and pressing. And he says it makes him sick to see how they hurt people and how they think they can get away with anything. But she presses further. She's like, it's gotta be more than that. This seems really personal. Mm. You know, she's catching on. She's picking it up. Yeah. You know, as I feel like anybody would, cause he really does have a real chip on his shoulder about this. Yeah. Which yeah. is, uh, which is understandable if you know what it is. Yeah. And so she keeps digging and he keeps running away from the reality and says, look, I'm not going to get into the specifics with you. I'm going to say this. I'll talk about it with Alistair and only Alistair. And we will discuss it when he comes back into town. The end. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to have a meeting with him when he comes back into town, which is, can you just like schedule a meeting? Can just anybody schedule a meeting with Alistair Crane? He can sure try. I guess so. So, and so Sheridan, he leaves and Sheridan goes, what in the world would Luis want to talk to my father about? Mm Mm-hmm. She, and she goes upstairs and she talks to Ethan about it. They try to work it out, but they really can't get it figured out because they really don't know just how awful their family is. Yeah. Ethan really, I think Sheridan has more of an understanding, but Ethan really is like, I doubt our family has done anything to him because Sheridan's <laughs> saying, because Sheridan's saying it must be something personal. And if our family has done something to him, we have to, it's our responsibility to, to make it right. Yeah. And Ethan's like, I doubt our family's ever done anything to him. Like, <laughs> y- you know, he doesn't know. Yeah. Well, he's definitely wrong. Yeah. He's absolutely wrong. So let's talk about Whitney. Well, we have to talk about Whitney. Let's talk about Whitney and Chad. Yeah. So the last time we saw Whitney, she was saying goodbye to Teresa because uh, she was going to go to the school and have this big conversation with her father. And she goes into her dad's office and she sees him sitting in his chair. He's kind of like turned around looking out the window. So she sees the back of the chair from where she is. And she like unloads all of her burdens and tells I'm him. lay down my burdens. <laughs> She says, I want to be a normal girl. I want to go on dates. Maybe I want to have a boyfriend. I don't know, but I am missing out on everything. I'm missing out on important things. And I don't feel like I'm really living my life right now. And look, the last thing I want to do is hurt you. But it's really important that I tell you this, okay? So it's out there. What do you have to say? Yeah, and the thing is, she's talking at a chair, the back of a chair, this whole time. Yeah. Why do these girls do this? She's talking at the back of a chair. And of course... The person who swivels around in that chair is Chad. Of course it is. She has she has bared her soul to Chad Harris. And uh, I felt really bad for her. I really did. Yeah. How embarrassing. Also, what the fuck? Why didn't he turn around earlier? Yeah, that was so something? awful. That was that really was messed really, up. Yeah. When you, if you're sitting there and you hear, oh, I have to talk to you. It's about something really important. Then you would immediately say, hey, I'm not the person you think I am. I'm, I'm a different person in this chair. Like, yeah. that was wrong of him. Well, as soon as somebody turn, comes into the room and they start talking, you just turn around and look at them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you just sit there. Yeah. Anyway, he turns around and he's like, I think you should go for it. Live a little. Maybe it'll loosen you up. And, of course, Whitney is mortified and yells at him. And she's like, my life is great. And then they have the same contentious back and forth that they always do. You don't know me, blah, blah, blah. You don't know me either. Mm-hmm. These two are the new Sheridan and Louise. They are. And she's like, you know, I came here to have a civilized conversation with my father instead of going down to the pool hall to beat people up. <laughs> and yeah. It's like, okay. And he's leaving. And, the, and But then he turns around because she, she kind of lobs some kind of insult at him. That's not important. The important part is that Chad turns around and tells her that while she was spilling her guts to him, it really reminded him of that that uh, Smash Mouth song, you know, and then he quotes it <laughs> and he goes, so much to do, so much to see. So why not take the back streets, which is wrong. Yeah, oh, yeah, this- so much to do, so much to see. So, so what's, what's wrong, wrong with taking, taking the, the back, back streets? streets? But anyway, he quotes it 
and there's like bongo music going on in the background like it's a fucking slam poem (laughs) but what's important to note is that he keeps going with the quote and he continues to get it wrong so this brings me back to the point where it's like a room full of old people trying to write for young people and thinking that they're being hip and cool but they're missing it completely because they say uh you'll never You'll never, never know if you, if don't, you don't go. go. They, this is what they say. You'll never know if you don't go. You'll never shine if you don't grow. Bitch, that's not the line. Yeah. It's, you'll never shine if you don't glow. If you don't glow. And look. I Which makes sense. because well, Makes yeah. more sense. Yeah. I've never done any research at all for this show. But when <laughs> I did, when this came on the screen, I hit pause. I went and I looked up the lyrics to make sure that my brain from when I was like 11 years old and first heard this Smash Mouth song, I was like, maybe I'm remembering it wrong. Looked up the lyrics. No, it's glow. And then I watched the music video because I was like, I just <laughs> want to make sure it's glow. So he missed it. was misquoted twice. Twice. He, he says it. So I, it was. And he says it with such seriousness. I cackled. I laughed so fucking hard. I was crying <laughs> real tears at work. Do you, like I was I was in tears I thought it was so funny I the second time he did it I squealed (laughs) like I because I because I just did it I just did not expect a second Smash Mouth reference oh my god the first one was crazy enough you know and so Smash Mouth what what a song for them to you know they managed to pick the one fucking song from 1999 that would really stand the the test of fucking time (laughs) because the minute he started saying it I was like oh yeah yeah. So what's wrong with taking Yeah, that yeah. Like my, my like third and fourth graders know that song. Oh yeah, everyone knows. Well, it was in Shrek. Everyone knows the yeah, song. Everybody knows the song. But it's I mean, Shrek came wonder. out in 99. Oh, did it? Yeah. Or 2000, either 99 or 2000. Oh but yeah, that, that, that's when that song came out. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. I thought it came out later. It's fucking old. Anyway, Ooh. sorry. So he leaves and basically tells her, you ain't happy. And she's once again is like, I am happy. And then once he yeah. leaves, she yells, I hate him. And she calls Teresa and they have a little conversation. Well, I think Teresa calls her. Oh, yeah. Sorry. The then Teresa mansion. calls her. That's yeah. literally what I wrote. Yeah. Because she wants to tell her about Luis and everything else and what's going on with Gwen and all this other stuff. And so then Whitney also tells her, well, you won't believe what just happened with Chad. Mm-hmm. And Teresa says, well, I don't know. Maybe he's right. Maybe you do need to live your life a little bit. And poor Whitney. She's just like, she's so embarrassed about what just happened that it, it actually drives her deeper into that shell and she just can't hear what Teresa is saying. Yeah, she goes back into d- her denial yeah. saying, I actually really like the path that I'm on and I'm not, I'm not missing out on anything. I, you know, if going out, if going out with guys means going out with guys like him, then, you know, I'm missing nothing. And they end their call. Um, and then Chad comes back in and tells Whitney he hopes her dreams do come true. And then she asks him to keep what she said to himself. Uh, and he says, I ain't no snitch. <laughs> uh, he says, I ain't no snitch. Yeah. And then she, he says, but you should tell him how you really feel. But Whitney denies feeling any of those feelings. She says, you know, I didn't, what I said earlier, I was being crazy. Like that, that's not really how I feel. Th- what I'm saying now is how I really feel. And Chad again, <laughs> again, <laughs> quotes smash mouth. Like it's Maya Angelou, <laughs> right? Like it's Langston Hughes. Oh, uh, he goes, Oh my God. It was so great. I was, I was crying. He goes, you'll never, you'll never know if you don't, he sings it at her at first. You never know if you don't go, you'll never shine. If you don't grow glow (laughs) drives me crazy. It was excellent. I cried. I thought it was, I didn't, I mean, well, I did cry, but not sad tears, (laughs) tears of pure joy. I wrote, it's glow, bro. It's glow, bro. <laughs> it's glow, bro. And then I wrote old people. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> so that's got to be everything, honey. We are two and a half hours into this. Teresa and Whitney back at the Lopez Fitzgerald Oh, my house. God. <laughs> We're almost done. <laughs> so tell us about so, it. So 
uh, Whitney and Teresa meet up after this day of madness. They go back to the Lopez Fitzgerald house and they have the same conversation that they basically always have. Destiny this, fate that. And Whitney tries to burst Teresa's bubble and it kind of seems like it might really work this time. Like she seems more in touch with reality and maybe she'll like start thinking straight and give up on this ridiculous hope. And this, it's just a waste of time. And Teresa's going along with it. She's heartbroken. She's sad. She's like, but yeah, I have to give up on Ethan. Like I saw Gwen and I saw that she saw me and this can't end well. So well, also after her fucking convent scare and then the convent scare with Luis, it wasn't Gwen so much as it was Luis. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. And so Whitney asks Teresa, promise me to live your own life and let Ethan and Gwen live theirs. And Teresa reluctantly promises. I couldn't believe it. She says, okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it seems to be over. It's over. She, she says she knows she and Ethan are never going to be together. She, she has figured it out. Um, but remember, Teresa has talked about this dream that she's always had where Ethan will show up to her house and tell her that he's there for her. And she talks about that again in this conversation. But she says, you know, that's just a dream. And it really does seem to be over. And then, and then everybody listen. And, and then... The doorbell rings and fucking Ethan Crane is at her front door and he says exactly what she had, exactly what he says in her dream, which is, I'm here for you, Teresa. It's not over. And Teresa turns around, you should see the look that she gives Whitney. I've never seen a bigger, crazier looking smile in my life. It ain't (laughs) over. It it ain't over at all. It ain't over, but this episode is over. Oh, it was a long one. It's a doozy this week. A lot happened. We hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening and sticking in there with us. This is, we enjoy this. I enjoy doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, If you like it, please share it with your friends and family. And give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And And check us out on social media. We have a hopping TikTok. Yeah, I'm going to add some. uh, This week's, I have TikToks already ready to go for this week. Because there's so many great moments. I was like, oh, I have so much to do. Amazing. Yeah. So we've got a TikTok. We've got a Facebook. We've got Instagram. You can send us an email at passionspodcast at gmail.com. And check Uh, out the website. Check out the website. We've got some cute merch. There's new merch out there now. Yeah. It's just like the podcast art. And then there's a mug that I really like. There's like the podcast art, but on the back it says you are, you are my passion for life. Oh, cute. Yeah. So there's some different things out there now. And I'm still, I'm adding stuff every once in a while. I'm working on a few things. So check out the forum. Oh, we should mention that we put the episodes up. Yeah. We put the episodes up. Try to keep it a secret. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what we're doing is basically every week, what episodes that we are going over, they're in the forum. So if you want to watch along with us and comment on those episodes on the forum, go for it. Because I know a lot of people are like, where are you watching? Yeah. And while we can't put everything up that, you know, we just can't, we can't do it go week to week. Yeah. So check that out. All right. All right. And that's it. That's it. Here so, we go. You are my passion for life.